Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Sports Central on SEN. And a very good afternoon and welcome to Sports Central, folks. This is your one-stop shop for sports news, opinion, gossip, and innuendo, and a whole lot more. The show where you get to have your say, whether we agree with it or not. The show that prefers a more play-what-you-see type game plan, uh, more the ad-lib style of talkback radio than getting too bogged down in structure and game plans. As always, here's an open invitation for you to be a part of the show. The open line, well, it's open now. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is that number if you'd like to pick up the phone and have your have your say. Or you can join the conversation uh, right over the uh, the next four hours via text on 0457 736 736. Well, firstly, uh, Rugby Union and the Wallabies, they've gone down to England at Twickenham um, in the early hours this morning, uh, 4.30am. That match kicked off, I believe. I I was still in bed, I will admit, but have looked at the highlights. Um, I guess it wasn't a match we were expected to win. It was always going to be a a difficult task for us. But in the end, England, they, they kicked us to death. Um, Owen Farrell particularly, he uh, put on 17 points himself, 32-15 the final score. Uh, It probably could have been a whole lot closer than that, but uh, we gave away, I think, about 19 penalties to England's eight, and and Farrell just stepped up and and booted five from five in penalties. Just the two tries scored in the match, um, England, they scored after, I think, seven minutes, and then right at the end of the match, they scored in injury time. So although they've um, doubled our score, I think it was probably a little closer than that, but a real ill-disciplined display uh, by the Aussies. So that's now eight straight England have um, have beaten Australia um, under um, under the coach that uh, well was coaching us to that loss in two thousand and three uh, to England Eddie Jones. Um, this time also their Ireland too that's a big upset too. While we're talking rugby union, Ireland twenty nine defeated the All Blacks twenty. Uh, that's a big win for Ireland and they've strung together a heap of wins now. I think it might be seven on the trot for them. This time tomorrow, uh, our cricketers uh, could be on top of the world, having claimed their maiden T20 World Cup. It's anything but a given, I know, but I think it will go right down to the wire this match. But unlike in rugby uh, against the All Blacks, in cricket, we do seem to have a long-standing dominance, don't we, over our friends from across the Tasman? Why is that, I wonder? Why are we dominated by New Zealand in rugby, but so consistently dominant in cricket? They've held the Bledisloe for the past, oh, what is it, 18 years uh, in cricket, although New Zealand is currently ranked number one in test rankings in the cricket. They have won just one of 31 tests against Australia over the past three decades. Is there really a golfing standard uh, that significant? This current crop, though, of, of New Zealand cricketers in recent years has really stamped its authority across all formats of the game. As I say, number one in test cricket. Uh, were harshly beaten, weren't they, by a crazy ruling in the last ODI final against England. And here they are in the, well, the fast food format of cricket. They've stormed through the drive through and they're side-by-side with the Aussies in the final. 
So what will it be? What will the order be, we all ask? Um, a lot, I guess, for Australia depends on a few key things um, in the early hours uh, tomorrow. Do we win the toss? Does Davey Warner continue his great form after a, a terribly slow start to the tournament where he was, you know, um, out of touch because he hadn't played a lot of cricket? Are we allowed to play that up-tempo style through the through the power play? Does Glenn Maxwell go boom, crash, wallop through the middle order? Can Matty Way deliver again with the bat at the death? Can Adam Zampa continue to be as effective as he has been all tournament with the ball? And uh, what Coach Justin Langer said to uh, to our fellas on, on drive on Friday afternoon was that he, he needs every player to have an impact. Well, that yeah, that's in an ideal world, isn't it? I'm, I'm sure there are going to be a, a couple of players that may fail with either bat or ball. But collectively, can we continue to overshadow little brother and collect our first T20 World Cup? Gee, I hope we can. And that is in less than 24 hours, so we will have that answer. A bit later on, in fact, we'll chat to former New Zealand cricketer Grant Elliott to get his take on how he thinks the T20 final uh, all shapes up. We'll also talk uh, more cricket, but rugby league as well with the latest transfer issues and latest around those that are choosing to vax or not vax. Um, uh, sports journalist Scotty Bailey will jump on the line. Bit of boxing as well. Um, ahead of Wednesday's big fight between Tim Zhu and Takeshi Inoue. We'll talk uh, more rugby uh, with former Wallaby and, and Waratah centre too, uh, Morgan Turanui after this morning, after that loss uh, for our boys at Twickenham. Just back on the rugby league too, I, I see an article in the Telegraph today uh, written by David Riccio, who does a bit of work for us here on SEN as well. So of the 480 NRL players, there are 15 anti-vax players. And uh, I might go through his article with you with more than $6 million to lose. Also on Mitchell Pearce, that saga rolls on, but we are expecting that he will be given a release uh, from the final year of his contract at Newcastle in the next day or two. And that will free him up to uh, go off on his merry way in the south of France and uh, enjoy the fine food over there and the, the fine wine and the beautiful weather and a uh, bit of ching, bit of ching ching um, as well. So uh, Mitchell Pierce is about to uh, say au revoir to Australian shores. Uh, who will be playing in the halves for Newcastle next year? I guess is still very much a case of wait and see. Okay, as I say, love you to get involved in the show. Um, Mad Russian is here with me as well. I welcome him back. Um, but it's always a much more interesting show if you guys are part of it. So go on, pick up the phone, give us a call. Uh, it can be about anything. It doesn't have to be about sport. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. This is Sports Central. Yes, indeed, and I hope you're well. Hope you're enjoying your, well, is it a lazy Sunday morning? I mean, that's how it should be. Isn't that what Sunday morning should be like? Um, you should be able to roll out of bed at your own leisure when you want to, when the big fella upstairs wakes you up and just do what you want to do uh, in your own time, slowly, with a nice, I don't know, full English breakfast, maybe, nice pot of tea, get the paper, Go through it, grab a coffee, go for a leisurely walk, walk the dog, go for a swim. Sundays should be uh, no agenda Sundays. Do what thou wants to do. That 
I guess, is in a perfect world, though, isn't it? In a perfect world, uh, if you are like me with uh, young ones, and uh, uh, it's very, very different. You're off and up and out and nippers and back and babysitters and all that, off to work, and here we are, and uh, away we go. But however you're spending your Sunday, enjoy it, and great to have you tuning in to SEN 1170 Sports Central with me, Chris Warren. I was here yesterday, and I'll be here until uh, 4 o'clock this afternoon. We've got uh, loads of guests on the show right throughout the four hours to uh, to keep us company, to keep us informed and entertained. Um, but you guys, uh, this is what I really want. I want you guys to be a part of the show. Make this your show, okay? Uh, it's got my name on it, but I'd love you to be involved. So pick up the phone. Don't be shy. I won't bite. I might not agree with what you've got to say, but this is the the talkback show where your opinion counts, and uh, we're very much guided. Uh, we don't have we don't really have a game plan. We don't have a running order. We just sort of we go by the seat of our pants and and follow you guys. So pick up the phone and have your say. Um, or if you want to send a text, let's fire that text line up now. I've got no prizes to give away, so sorry about that. I know uh, some of our, our higher budget shows have got loads of giveaways. Um, I don't have any, right? So don't worry about that. But I, I would just love to hear from you. You shouldn't have to be rewarded with a, the offer of a prize to send me through your opinions. 0457 736 736. Or, or if you've got some prizes to give us, well, maybe you can you can pick up the phone and, and donate some prizes to Sports Central and we'll then hand them on to uh, what we believe is is the best text or contributor right throughout the the afternoon. Loads of sport around for us to uh, to talk about. Obviously, the big one. Uh, the big one is the T20 World Cup final in the early hours tomorrow. 1 a.m. I think it starts. And I was talking about this yesterday. Uh, wouldn't it be just... Uh, wouldn't it be great if, if such a big event, a big sporting event uh, that we are heavily involved in now, wouldn't it be great if it was prime time or if, if we could see it? And I've asked so many people over the last uh, day or two, be honest, did you watch, did you watch our win um, the other night at, at 1am in the morning and uh, against Pakistan? The answer is, if it was 10 people have asked, 10 have said no. They didn't watch it live, and you can understand why. So what you do, you play, you press record, don't you, on your your IQ or however you want to do it, and then you just hope like hell that um, you don't have a spoiler alert, a spoiler in the morning. One of your mates rings up or one of your kids comes in and says, oh, Dad, what about the Aussies? And you haven't yet found out the result. Difficult in this way, in this world of... um, of modern technology and, and digital marketing and social media. Very, very hard to stay away from a result that you don't want to know. Anyway, I reckon there will be a few that might adjust their clocks or somehow. Well, let me know. Work it into the schedule. How are you going to do it? Are you going to maybe... Um, are you going to maybe have a grab a few hours tonight? I was talking to Jaleesa Apps from Channel 10 yesterday. She was on the show uh, uh, and she said she's probably going to have a little... Maybe a little nana nap. She can't say nana nap. She's only in her 20s or something. She's going to have a little nap and then get back up and then go and grab another couple of hours. So maybe that's how we do it. I haven't even got that far, thought that far ahead yet. Uh, I might do that as well. Might do that as well. Let us know if you're going to watch it live. Um, And hopefully uh, neither of these two nations have won the T20 World Cup before. So for one of them, it will be a first. But we've had some uh, great rivalries over the years with New Zealand in cricket, and we went, we might go back through the uh, the archives and see what we can dig out. 1981 comes to mind. Um, Greg, Trevor, you know, uh, 
what I'm talking about. We're talking about Davey Warner, and I couldn't believe Gautam Gambier saying, oh, uh, bad sportsmanship. Davey tonking that ball that bounced twice for six. Come on, get with the program. Mad Rusky's with us. Mad Russian, welcome to the show. Nice to be with you again, Chris, on a Sunday. Great to have you back. We had a few. uh, Well, it was a different show yesterday. Gibbo was around. Bad sportsmanship, please. What was bad sportsmanship was 1981. Yeah, that was... That was, what did Richie Benno call it? The worst thing he's ever seen on a cricket field? Did it? Yes. Well, and it was. And no. No, big no. Yeah. And thankfully they changed the rules, didn't they? That's right. I remember in an early T20 game uh, between Australia and New Zealand, might have been one of the first. Hey, what, sorry, what if Trevor had said to Big Brother, no, I'm not going to do that? Well, I, think that did cause, I think that did cause a few. Well, Rod Marsh, you see him in the footage. He's very unhappy at the time it's actually happening. He's saying, no, mate, no, mate, don't do that. So he had some sort of moral compass about him that day. We're talking about the underarm bowl in that uh, that one-day series. I think it was drawn. It was one all at the time, wasn't it? That's right. They needed... The six wouldn't have even won the game. We were tied at... Yeah. Mm. They needed six off the last over. Mm. Captain Greg says to younger bro, Trev, mate, just Mm. pretend you'd hit 10-bit bowling or lawn bowls. Do you remember... Do you like lawn lawn bowls? Oh, I can watch any sport. No, no, you playing it. Like, oh, playing it. Yeah. As long as I've got a beer behind beer, me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At either end. That's, that's the best way that? to play lawn bowls. Hey, listen, I didn't, I didn't, we've got another guest yes, involved and I think we should, we should welcome um, JP to the stable as well. JP, good afternoon. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mulchick. Great to be here for the first time here today. Well, it's gone past morning, hasn't it? Or is it's, my clock? It's, it's still morning somewhere around. In I Queensland? Like yes. It is too. It is too. You, you spent a bit of time in Queensland, clearly. Uh, but welcome to the show, JP. Um, JP, that's your initials. So you're so mad Russian. You're, you're justice, justice <laughs> of the peace. Is that okay? <laughs> yes, that's true. But I'm just, just saying, if you're trying to find a JP, I will not give my address out. No, but you can. Uh, well, sign off. People, good. No, you sign off on the big issues that we discuss here on Sports Central every Sunday. That's it. I can sign on on that. You can sign on and sign off on all the big sporting issues. Justice, justice of the peace. JP, justice, the, the sporting justice. So, uh, Chris Warren, um, we've got Mad Russian and we've got justice all all involved. I like it. It's good to have some company. Pick up the phone if you're listening, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. You can have your say, throw in your two bobs worth as well. So we're going to talk a fair bit of cricket, obviously, and that will probably dominate proceedings. We'll talk a bit of uh, boxing a bit later on um, as well. Um, ahead of that fight between um, Tim Zhu and Takeshi Inouye. Now, uh, I'm actually going to talk to my brother a bit later on. And yeah, okay. But he's uh, he's been around boxing for years and years and years and had his own boxing show. And he was very good mates, or still is very good mates with Kostyuzu, Tim's dad. And so uh, knows Tim pretty well. In fact, I reckon I reckon Tim was almost born with uh, with boxing gloves on. It was just uh, almost his, his, his natural right to follow in his father's footsteps. As for Takeshi Inoue, I was reading an article yesterday. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? What inspires people to step into the ring and and punch the tripe out of someone what inspires someone to be a professional boxer and obviously with Timmy Zhu it's in his blood isn't it in his blood world champion father um who's a great great fella and a great Aussie as well um of Russian heritage but with Tim so that path was mapped out with Takeshi um the Japanese opponent I was reading yesterday and I'll have to dig the article out but so what made him get in the ring? 
he was reading a comic book as a kid and he he fell in love with the main character and I can't recall the character's name. It was in Japanese and I couldn't quite pronounce it, but it was basically that's the inspiration that got him involved in in this combat sport of professional boxing, um, a cartoon character. So uh, we'll talk to uh, a bit of boxing probably a bit later on, maybe in the third hour of the show. But on uh, on the, the rugby news uh, this morning, uh, not, not good news for the Wallabies. They were beaten and I guess beaten well in the end by by England, uh, 32-15 at Twickenham. Uh, keep those texts coming through. Get involved in the show as well, uh, if you will. Uh, that text line, 0457 736 736. England 32, the Wallabies 15. It looks like they were twice as good in terms of the scoreline, but it, it doesn't really reflect how the match... The match was probably closer than that, but again, and uh, I don't want to pick holes in rugby, but it's uh, very heavily reliant, isn't it? And that's just the, the fabric of the sport. It is heavily reliant on on penalties, and uh, they caned us. We conceded 18 penalties to England's eight or nine and as a result, when you've got someone like Owen Farrell, um, you know, like Johnny Wilkinson used to do, Owen stepped up and went bang, 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 bang. And I think he kicked all five penalties, added a conversion as well. 17 points for, for him, for Owen. Um, and the, the tries, only two tries scored in the whole match at Twickenham. Great place to go, by the way, if you ever get the chance, if you haven't done it. Um, whether you, you're into your rugby or not, but going and watching the Wallabies at Twickenham, that's a that's a huge experience. Um, a great. It should be on the, the bucket list. But, you know, yeah, two tries scored. England scored after seven minutes, and then they scored right at the back end in extra time or stoppage time, 32-15. We had a couple of our, our boys put in the bin as well. Tom Wright, um, winger, and Angus Bell, he's one of our props, isn't he? He got put in the bin, both of them yellow cards. Michael Hooper came off our captain. I think sort of midway through the second half with a, a foot injury. So all those things didn't go our way. And uh, in the end, that's eight straight for England against the Wallabies. Eddie Jones um, overseeing England in uh, all eight of those matches. The last time we beat England would have been um, not the last World Cup, the prior to that. Was that 2015? It's the uh, one we knocked them out of their own World Cup. Beat them in the pool stage. Fantastic. Yeah. What a fantastic night. I might have to dig up the highlights of that to but give then us a little in bit the, of a yeah, pick-me-up. Then in the last World Cup, they oh, we don't smashed need, us. We don't need to talk no, about no, that. No, no, sure. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, so, but how things have changed too, you know. We used to be a superpower, didn't we? The Wallabies way back when, and like, um, they hated playing, and they still hate us, England. Yeah, I know they're the mother country, and uh, they all sent us out here as convicts and all that sort of stuff. And we have got good, long ties with England, but let's be honest, there's there's uh, there's not a lot of love between the, the two nations, is there, certainly in sport. The same can be said for Australia and New Zealand, I guess, but no, nah, I think uh, we'll probably put our arm around the Kiwis a little, little bit more. Rugby league-wise too, I want you, uh, this might fire you Dragons fans up a little bit. What's been going on over the past few days, uh, inspired, I guess, by um, an investigation or special report by the Daily Telegraph. So I opened up the back page today, and it is quite alarming when you look at the headline, not one St. George Jr. in the Dragons NRL squad. Not one. 30-man squad, 
Not one St. George Jr. in the Dragons NRL squad. We'll go through that in a bit more detail as well, and you can have your say. And as I say as well, 15. There are 15 NRL players who are refusing at this stage to get the jab, and that stands at about $6 million across them collectively to lose, including the likes of... Um, Nelson Asifa Solomona, Jason Talmalolo, Josh Papali, Api Corusau, and a whole lot more. This is Sports Central. You're listening to me, Chris Warren. I'll be here with you right throughout the afternoon up until four o'clock. Again, inviting your calls. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is the open line number. And get on the text line as well. 0457 736 736. And New Zealand's only hope now is a six off the last ball for a tie. Well, it looks to me as if they're going to bowl underarm off the last ball. Rod Marsh is saying no, mate, but I'm sure he's going to bowl an underarm delivery. They're going to bowl an underarm. We haven't believed it. And that's a disappointing finish. Disappointed Brian affecting the crowd boom. Now, everyone around Australia will have their uh, own ideas on that, and uh, we always get letters and phone calls about different things that happen, so I don't expect anyone to agree with me. Let me just tell you what I think about it. I think it was a disgraceful performance from a captain who got his sums wrong today, and I think it should never be permitted to happen again. I think it was a very poor performance, one of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Good night. Yeah, good night. Good night. Well, you know, there he is, the great man, Richie Benno, and um, you've got to respect what he's what he's had to say about that. Do you remember it? Long time ago, both of you fellas in here. So I've got the mad Russian with me. I've got Justice of the Peace with me as well. Uh, they weren't born when, when that happened, uh, 1981. So I would have been 11. That makes me 51, does it? Do you remember it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been just yeah, but I mean it's been played every every year onwards. It always comes up when we're when we're playing New Zealand in mm. whatever sport it is. Mm. What are some of the the great sporting moments across any sport? Then and this is for you, for you guys, our listeners, wherever you might be, uh, whether you're in the car at home or or listening. Uh, let me know where you're listening to if you if you're listening through the SEN app. The great battles between Australia and New Zealand. What, what are some of the great battles? When did we when when did they beat us in the World Cup Rugby League? Like there's a great battle. 2015, I believe. 2015? I thought it was the 2008 Rugby League World Cup, wasn't it, Chris? Yeah, I think it was. Was it when earlier. Billy Slater threw that intercept pass to Marshall? Oh, God. I don't think it was that long ago, was it? God. That's... We should know. Is, is this a sports show? Because I, th- I was thinking, because I remember that Rugby League one. I'm Can like... one of you get on Google and <laughs> so we can sound like we know what we're talking about? Because I don't want to bluff our audience and let them think, well, well, these guys know what they're talking about. It's a sports show. They work for a sports station. Surely they know when New Zealand beat Australia in the Rugby League World Cup. I think it was 2008. 2008. It was. Spot on. Justice, give yourself a, give yourself a clap or... or, or not. Yeah, yeah. Or should I say... Should I say applause? You're done with me doing that. Um, yeah, uh, what else? What else? What else? So, yeah, then 1981, that was the underarm. Rugby League World Cup. Have they? Have we, uh, we've copped a real bad rap ever since, haven't we? From the well, the, Kiwis, the Kiwis like to. They think they're a bit above us in terms of sporting morality now. After that, George Gregan, you remember that two thousand three Rugby Union World Cup semi final? The semi final where Gregan said four more years, boys. Yeah, and then Johnny put his stuck his finger up down there in Canberra, wasn't it? Played the final. Johnny Wilkinson. Mm. Mm. 
Pretty sure it was in Canberra, wasn't it? Why? Gee, we I think managed it was to in get Canberra. onto some great I've Australian got an sporting because I was, I, well, was in the, I was in the north of England watching it. At, uh, I reckon it was at Canberra Stadium. Why do I say that? The final? Yeah. No, no, no. That was at um, Stadium Australia. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what? Maybe the semi was in Canberra. No, the two, both um, rugby World Cup finals in two thousand three in Australia were both at um, Stadium at Australia. Yeah. Mm. Why am I thinking what was at Canberra? Anyway. This is a sports show. We do know a little bit about sport. <laughs> um, getting involved. That might be something you might send a text through. Just on the text line too. It's 0457 736 736. I am going to get into this St. George Illawarra Dragons story and the lack of Dragons players. Not one locally homegrown player in the squad of 30 this year. I will get into that in uh, in a bit more depth a little bit later on. If you've read the paper today, you'll know what I am talking about. Dragons fans, feel free to uh, to get on the line, pick up the phone. What's the problem there? I'll go through it more detail a little bit later on. But uh, the text line, if you don't want to ring me, um, and feel free to ring me. I'm, I'm pretty easy to talk to, I think. Yeah, I am. Just decided I was. Um, <laughs> Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. G'day, Chris. Do you also sit down to pee? <laughs> this is from uh, Dazza. D- hang on, where's it gone? Where's it gone? What's happening here? Uh, Dazza sent me that, but that was sent yesterday in the afternoon. Now, Darren or Dazza, um, you're not offending me. I'm, 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 I assume you're saying because I was going to the pub and having a shandy yesterday afternoon. Um, you're therefore having um, uh, putting a question mark over my my own sexuality, but that, yeah, it's not like that, mate. I mean, boys, girls, we can all have shandies, no dramas there, and it's not a shandy anyway. It's a lager top, right? It's a lager top, so it's just a little squirt lemonade in my in my two is new, yeah. And my mates they frown at me for doing it too. Bad luck, bad luck. Uh, we're going to talk um, a fair bit more rugby as well. Morgan Turanui, uh, former Waratah and Wallabies, going to uh, join us on the line, and we'll just pour over what happened last night. Again, repeating that score, England 32, de- defeating the Wallabies 15 at Twickenham. Up next, we'll talk more rugby. This is Sports Central. And feel free to get involved with the show. You can pick up the line and have your say, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, or you can send a text if it's easier for you to do that, 0457-736-736. We're talking about great uh, Oz and Kiwi contests over the year and that 1981, that underarm, do you remember, by Trevor Chappell. Uh, this text here, uh, come on, Aussie. This is from Redman. Uh, hey, fellas, that underarm ball was a no ball. Uh, Dennis Lilly was actually walking with the bowler, but due to the short run-up, he was still outside the circle. Okay, I, I, yeah, yeah, I do recall that, but I don't think it was given that way. Anyway, uh, it's a long, long time ago. And David Warner did nothing wrong. I bowled a lot of crap balls, and they all deserve to be hit for six. I too did that, mate. I too did that. So we're all human. What's worse than... Um, What's worse than crap on a Kiwi? Well, come on, that's a bit harsh. Come on, Aussie, come on. There's Redmond getting involved, and you two can have your say. Time for us now to talk rugby, and uh, we're going to do that very, very shortly. Let's recap last night's game, or early this morning it was, and England, they beat the Wallabies 32 points to 15 at Twickenham. Farrell out the back for Smith, holding it up. The line's excellent from Stewart. Stewart cuts in field, and England open with a sharp five-pointer. Latu, back for Ikitao, was chasing McDermott, and again, that Polish missing, and England through Dombrand. This is Blumier, 
Yeah, just a two tries scored there, 32-15. A few things didn't go our way, it must be said. And uh, I'm pleased to say that we are now joined by former Wallabies vice-captain and, and friend of SEN2, Morgan, Morgan Turanui. Thanks for joining us this morning, Morgan. How are you? Hey, Chris, not too bad. A bit tired after the, the sleepless night. And it was also nothing with the Wallabies going down over there at Twickenham. Yeah, here's me saying that this morning. It's well into the afternoon here at, at the moment. Yeah, you're right. I mean, fair to say nothing really went right for them. Uh, two sin bins, uh, both thanks to the TMO. Michael Hooper went off early. I think it was early in the second half. And in, in addition to that, obviously, we're going into the match missing a couple of key forwards. So not the worst result, I guess, given the circumstances. Yeah, that's the way to look at it, isn't it? Look, we filthy losing. Yeah. Um, can never sort of go, oh, you know, we lost, but so absolutely filthy to have lost the test. But do they play with heart and courage right throughout the eighty minutes? You know, twenty of those minutes they played, as you mentioned, the man down with the two yellow cards, smashed in the penalty count, eighteen to nine, and with ten to go, we're only down by seven points. And yeah. I think the players would have looked up at the scoreboard and gone, "Just how are we still in it?" England too strong at the end, but I suppose it's the manner in which they got themselves into those situations. England just too good in all the small and big moments. Mate, I, I didn't watch uh, the game in full. I've only caught the highlights. Can you tell me, did Ollie Hoskins get on uh, and become Wallaby number 949? Yes, he did. It was you know, it was a great moment. and He, he did well, actually. He's scrummaging held up and made an important tackle when it counted that led to a turnover. So that was a great moment for the week. Um, you know, he's a guy who played Aussie 20s in 2012 and 13. 2016, he went over to play for London Irish, and, and that was when he thought that was it for the Wallabies for him. So that's mm. been a, a great story of the week. For the guy five seasons into his career playing great rugby, it must be said, in the English Premiership, gets to wear Wallaby gold. Now, I loved his attitude. You know, he, didn't, he doesn't know what next week will bring, whether mm. Alan Alatola and Taniela Tupo are back, and this is it for him. But... He, you know, he, even after the game, he was said he can call himself a Wallaby for the rest of his life. Yeah, absolutely, and and you can do that. But not many players can. Well, nine hundred and forty nine of them can, yeah. uh, <laughs> precisely. But you know, even if it is a one off um, appearance, which I doubt it will be, but even if it is, you know, ticking off that box, that was, and it was a really emotional when he was awarded. He, you know, he sort of broke down um, when he was told that he was going to play because he probably thought, well, definitely thought that that his time had passed, but uh, we're good on him. Good on him, hey? Hey, listen, the one thing we know about England over the years, uh, Morgan, and, and you'll you'll agree with this, I'm sure, is that they are so good in the forwards and they just know how to grind a game out, but really strong, really big, really good at the set piece. And when people say, oh, hang on, yeah, but look at all the penalties they were given, they grind it out, don't they? They sort of, that's what they work for. They, they earn those penalties. And then the likes of Owen Farrell kick us to death. Yeah, that's it. And, and, you know, that works for them. That's their menu and there's no reason for them to stray from it. It must be said that they picked a young guy called Marcus Smith, who's a really exciting number 10 and uh, orchestrating as a ball player for them. And they did play some nice rugby, but as you mentioned, on the back of, you know, pounding the Wallabies into submission and set-piece supremacy. So when you talk about being on the wrong side of the penalty count, it's because mm. of all the work that they do. Yeah. They, they, they play on the front foot. They get you going backwards. And when you're going backwards, it's really easy to infringe. And that's the, the cycle mm. the Wallabies couldn't break out of. Yeah. And so for those, and I'll put my hand up as well, uh, like soccer, I enjoy it, but I don't watch a whole lot of it. Rugby, I always watch the Wallabies when I can, but I'm more rugby league. But I'll look at that and say, oh yeah, well, they've kicked five penalty goals and, and scored a couple of tries. Uh, you know, it was because we were penalty 
penalised so often to the referee, but they work for it. And that's the point I'm trying to make is that they they work for those penalties and it's part of their, their game plan and strategy and and pretty heavily reliant on it. What do you, um, where do we need to improve? I, I see that um, James O'Connor, um, well, rather Drew, Drew Mitchell after the match was pretty um, critical of, of what we did with the ball in hand. Yeah, a lot of it was to do with... Um you know, the fact that the Wallabies had so little possession and territory, uh, smashed 70 to 30 in possession and territory stats. So it just meant that when the Wallabies did have the ball, they were trying to get out of their zone, also 20 minutes of trying to manage the 14 to 15 man deficit. So they just, and when they did, they made errors. So there's an intent to play the ball and balance that between kicking because the harsh truth is, especially in November over in the UK with the weather and things like that, you do have to kick sometimes. But it's balancing that with not being able to, Get our best players ball in hand. Tom Wright, Kirtley, Bill, Andrew, Kellaway. All those guys need ball in hand. So they need better balance from the Wallabies mm. and a bit more, bit more accuracy in the way they use the ball. I'm talking to former Wallabies uh, player and uh, Morgan Turanui, former Waratah as well, uh, and Ranwick. Let's go. Let's go. Well, let's go through your whole resume, Morgan. While we're here, <laughs> um, are we making any excuses? What if I was to say to you, Morgan? Right. Let's say that we had our our very best team available out there and we know that some players are missing due to you know club contracts in Japan etc if we had our, our strongest possible lineup out there would it be a different result do you think yeah I would have thought it would be a coin cast toss uh, mm. one one score game I, I would have thought we'd win the game uh, Hunter Paisami was excellent in the number 12 jersey that was probably his best game in a while for the Wallabies but we've seen Samu Karabi's been great for the Wallabies and the important foil for Quade Cooper you mentioned those guys not being there. And I mentioned two guys that could be back next week, hopefully against Wales. Alan Alatoa and Tanila Tupo, our prop depth was really tested. The guys that plays, played, played really well, but that makes a difference uh, when you're going through. And, and Hooper going off early, which we rarely see, uh, that, that takes a lot of the work rate out of that back row as well. So, oh, look, I think the Wallabies probably win with their best team on the park. But what you do need to do and what the good teams like New Zealand and South Africa do normally is win with your depth, test your squad depth. And that's what Dave Rennie and his coaching staff are attempting to create, mm. especially with this tour. And that's what continues to need to be improved. Well, you need it, don't you? So the final game for the Wallabies on the, on the spring tour, or well, it's really the autumn tour, isn't it, over there, they call it. Uh, next weekend against Wales then. Any chance? Oh, yeah, definitely a chance. Wales probably not quite up to the, the physical way that you described, the way England play would probably mm. suit us a bit more. Look, it's hard. We bounced into the Scotland game last week off the back of five wins in a row, you know, beat the world champion Springboks twice, and then we've been humbled a little bit over there. But as you mentioned, with some personnel issues, look, they probably just need to find a result next week and getting those props back. Another week in the saddle for guys like James O'Connor, back from injury, hasn't played a lot of rugby this year. Last game of the season before a well-earned break lying on beaches right around Australia, hopefully in the post-COVID world mm. for the Wallaby guys. They can empty the tank for 80 minutes uh, and you'll be able to see that all on stand sport, which will be exciting and a good place to play footy. Um, hopefully it's a dry track because Millennium Stadium is a huge stadium yeah. with a roof on it. Unfortunately for COVID, they have to open the roof. So if it rains, it could still be a, a strangely wet track at, at Cardiff that you never see. So like, this is an important game for the Wallabies and, and fans, as always, that dangerous thing for Wallabies fans could be hopeful. I was, I was talking about what an experience it is being at Twickenham, which I've been to. I've watched the Wallabies there play England before. I've also been to Millennium Stadium with the roof closed, full capacity stadium. And my goodness, mate, what an experience there. The Welsh, they just, they love singing. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it's it's another one you want to put on the um, 
on the to-do list if you haven't done it. Is Dave Rennie the man going forward? What are we? Uh, the World Cup's a couple of years away. It's been a, a difficult few years for us, hasn't it, uh, for, for, the, for the Wallies? Things look to be picking up a little bit. You think he's the man to take us forward? No, I think definitely he is. He is definitely through to the World Cup. I think we've seen enough positive signs. The series went over France, mm. as I mentioned, beat Argentina twice, beat South Africa twice. We're still behind New Zealand, as many are. Ireland upset New Zealand uh, last night as well. That's a great game for people to pick up and watch if they get a chance. Ireland beat New Zealand. Hadn't, they'd, beaten them, they'd never beaten them for years. They've beaten them three out of the last four times they've played them. So it shows that you know New Zealand can be vulnerable. We're quite behind their level, but we're right in that pack of you know, in the third to eighth ranked teams that are vying for positions for the World Cup coming just on the horizon. Now, looking forward to Dave Rennie. Definitely the man. Positive things happening. Need to stick with him. Yeah, I was just going to ask you. So it was quite a quite a shock then, really, in Dublin, wasn't it? Did you see that one coming? Oh, Ireland are always a really smart mm. team. And Andy Farrell now has taken over as head coach, which it gives them another element of starch. And they, 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 the brains that a guy like Joe Schmidt, who was their previous coach, instilled with them in the innovation. And, you know, a guy like um, um, Johnny Sexton mm. played plays 101st test. Those sorts of guys with experience and having beaten the All Blacks and the confidence and the ability to do things because they played so much together make Ireland always a really dangerous team to play. Mm. Um, so, look, it's a surprise any time the All Blacks... Uh, lose. Uh, none more so than for our friends across the beach, let alone us watching on as well. Mm. But Ireland are an excellent team. It just shows that the, the margin may be a little bit closer to, to some of the lower-ranked teams in that, that top 10 than has been the case previously. Mm. Andy Farrell, hey, in charge of Ireland. What, geez, he could play rugby league too. And uh, and Owen Farrell kicking us to get to death for England. So, uh, the Farrells, eh? Yeah. Well, thankfully, there aren't more of them. <laughs> no, no, well, there will be probably down yeah, the track probably. if biology takes its course. Hey, Morgan, great to talk to you, mate. I appreciate you taking a bit of time and um, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Pleasure as always. Thanks, mate. Great stuff. There he is. Uh, nice fella. Really, I've never met Morgan. Good fella and a friend of the show as well. Morgan Turanui, uh, he does some good work too with Stan Sport and you can watch all the Wallabies action on Stan Sport. So that next one, Millennium Stadium, my goodness, that is going to be uh, it's going to be difficult, but it's a match. Morgan thinks that we we could well win. This is Sports Central. Keep uh, keep those text messages coming through. We're we're talking about great rivalries and contests over the years in any sport. Australia against New Zealand ahead of the T20 uh, Cricket World Cup final uh, tonight. Well, I can't say tonight, can I? Uh, One a.m. Uh, tomorrow morning um, is when that is on. Will you be watching it live? Come on, be honest. Let me know. Send me a text. Will you be watching it live or will you record it and try and avoid the score and then watch it at a more reasonable hour in the morning? 0457 736 736 is the, uh, the text line. Uh, Wahman, uh, that's me, by the way. Wahman, I missed a Sports Central sweep results yesterday. How did it finish up from Paramat? Well, we didn't run a Sports uh, Central sweep. The boys on the Mowers Club. Did, didn't they, in the morning? So I don't have that paramat. Sorry, mate. Uh, I haven't got that information uh, with me. They've got a much bigger budget than we have, and they, you know, they can run all those sweeps and they've got all those prizes. Unfortunately, uh, we're left to uh, to catch and kill our own, so to speak, on this show. Um, 
the big G's been in touch as well. Uh, g'day, Chris, Russian, and JP. So, JP, here's your very first text live on air, uh, Justice of the Peace. Uh, it really surprises me that the players are so against getting vaccinated. We're talking about the NRL players, 15 of them so far of the 480. Um, and many of them are from the Pacific Islands. These players, if they went home, could have a devastating effect on the population. Uh, cheers, the big G. Well, I, I didn't even notice that, to be honest with you, but I'll open it up again and look in the Daily Telegraph. Um, David Riccio has written an article today, and uh, the 15 anti-vax players with $6 million to lose. I point them out. Nelson Asifa Solomona, Josh Papali'i, Jason Talmalolo, Appy Corusau, uh, Dylan Walker, John Asiata, uh, to name and to mention uh, but a few. So there are 480 players all up on an NRL contract, and those that are yet to be vaxxed represent 3.1%, and they, they remain either waiting for or avoiding their first jab. I can't understand it myself because you know regardless of what their stance is well i'll tell you let me put it this way re-vax and not vax okay i i didn't particularly want to get vaxxed in fact i hate drugs i hate putting anything foreign in in my body now there's a line and don't go there anywhere but i don't like putting anything right because it's just not me but and i i'm loath to even go to the doctors when i've got a you know, nasty throat infection or something because i don't like taking antibiotics but when push comes to shove, and I really need to, I will, obviously, because I, I need to get on and get better and get on with work. But I didn't really want to get vaxxed, but I, I'm doing it for the team. I'm doing mm-hmm. it for everyone else. Aren't I? And that's what it's all about. Take one for the team, whether you're vax or no vax. I mean, and when I say team, I'm talking about us, the whole country, yeah. right? We're all doing it. We're all doing it. Whether we want to or not, we've decided it's the only way for us to go. So that's my point with the, the rugby league players. And, and surely they've got a whole lot more to lose. Um, they could well have their contracts to- torn up if they don't get a couple of pricks in the arm. This is Sports Central. Yes, it is. Chris Warren with you right up until four o'clock, coming up to seven minutes to one o'clock. I've got uh, the Mad Russian with me. Mad Russian, present. Present. Justice of the Peace, present. <laughs> here. Good. And I'm here with you as well. And you're here too. We've got uh, we got loads uh, squeezed into. This is normally the higher ground studios. This is on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, generally. Uh, this is your late night sports bar, and we've got a live studio audience. We don't have any uh, in the in the crowd today. It's 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 totally empty up there. It's a bare bare um, grandstand. But you're with us. You're listening, so that's great. You're part of the show, and uh, your opinions. That's what it's about. It's an open back talk line show, uh, and we don't have a running order. We uh, we're sort of the, as I said earlier, we're the more the uh, we're the type of. Sam Walker sort of uh, eyes up type football, <laughs> ad lib type football, rather than the structured, played Cooper Cronk type game, mm. right? Aren't we? We just go where we want to go, as and when we want to go, and you guys can help us, all right? So, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Come on, pick up the pick up the Al Capone, get off your pain horse, and and give us a call. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six is the text line. We're talking great rivalries between Australia and New Zealand ahead of tonight's World. Cup uh, T20 final. What are some of the uh, the great moments between the two countries on the sporting arena or also the personalities? A love-hate relationship, isn't it, between Australia and New Zealand? What about the, the, the love-hate? Who do you hate? Who do you love? Um, the Kiwis over the years. Love them or hate them, let us know. 0457 736 736. There's the hook shot. It's in the air. And Ewan Chatfield has taken the catch, a brilliant catch at fine leg. He's not noted for his fielding. 
and the next victim was David Boone. He's gone. That's beautifully taken. He has got good hands. Quarters hit. He's out. First ball after lunch. He's driven on the up to cover. It wasn't a good shot, but it was a good safe catch. And what a breakthrough from Richard Hadley. And he's got him right through him, and that makes it six in the second innings. 15 for the match. And New Zealand have won by an innings and 41 runs. Yeah, that's a win, isn't it? Uh, we wiped that one from our memory. So that was way back when, 1985, and we went on after that. We didn't lose a test at the Gabba until last year. Last year. My yeah. God. That's a long time, isn't it? Well, it was Fortress Gabba for so, so long. The Gabbatoire. Exactly right. Gee, Sir Teams Richard Hadley. So 15 wickets in that in match. In that match. In that match. And 33 wickets across the three-match series. Average of 11 wickets in a test a match, a match. You know, across a test series. Just ridiculous statistics. Away from that, I think New Zealand... Is that New- why they knighted him? Well, they knighted him after that match? They'd have to, huh? Yeah, they did. And he could bat. He was, you know, he was no specialist Sir bowler, Richard. Sir Richard. He could bat, too. So we're highlighting great rivalries over the year or great achievements over the years. Uh, Australia against New Zealand doesn't have to be cricket, can be any sport, but obviously ahead of tonight's uh, big World Cup final. Uh, By the way, just while we talk about that, isn't there the world's biggest, biggest World Cup build-up to a cricket yes. final ever on SEN tonight? <laughs> That's correct. So, Isn't it longer than the show itself, <laughs> the build-up? It is longer than the game itself. Well, how good's that? So the World Cup cricket party starting tonight from 8. Yep. So we're That'd off be late. there with Sports Central. We'll be an hour. You'll get a bit of best of Joel and Fletch, and then we'll be straight into the cricket. Sammy Hargraves, Chuck Berry, Damien Fleming for the Australian audience. And if you want to flick over the New Zealand side, um, McCarty mm. and... One of our guests later on this afternoon, Grant Elliott, will be on the airwaves doing the New Zealand. They'll wow. all come together with an hey, hour to go. And everything at it. Exactly right. And Big budget. Right into the, the game at 1am. Talking of Hargreaves uh, and Chuck Berry, I don't know if we're still at the audio there of the, the Pakistan, the Aussie Pakistan win. I, I played I'm it a couple of times yesterday. See if we can grab that. It was, uh, it was quite good commentary there. It was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, from, from Sammy Hargraves and uh, and Chuck Berry as well. Keep those texts coming through. 0457 736 736 uh, is uh, the text line. Uh, this one here, Statsy from Freshwater, and good afternoon to you, Statsy. I hope you've had a, a lazy Sunday morning and, and uh, cruising through into the afternoon. G'day, Chris. I was only nine years of age when the underarm happened, um, so I'm a couple of years older than you, Statsy. Another controversial decision in that same game was a superb outfield catch uh, by New Zealander Martin Sneddon diving forward to clearly take the catch. Now, Greg Chappell refused to walk, and because there was no video replay at the time, the umpires didn't have a clear view of the catch, so ruled Chappell not out. And uh, Greg Chappell, the captain at the time, he years later admitted that he was in no mental state to be captaining his country at the time. Uh, not our best moment. That's Statsy from Freshwater. No, good text. No, you're right, mate. It wasn't our, our best moment. And I reckon that is probably um, one of the key uh, incidents over the years that has, has maybe soured the relationship between us two um, Southern Hemisphere uh, neighbours. Uh, we, we are neighbours, aren't we? In terms of sport, we're, you know, we're the biggest, biggest down under. But they like it or agree with it or not. There is a real, there is a, an entrenched rivalry between us. You know, I, 
uh, of course, they are our neighbours, and uh, you'd like to say it's a friendly, friendly rivalry, and it probably is more so than our rivalry with England. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a bit uh, more big brother, little brother. I think there's with that, us in New Zealand. Well, yeah. bit, I think there's a bit more respect between yeah and us and New Zealand. Obviously, what's happened over the years and always in the trenches, yeah, literally right. together, haven't we? So, uh, but when it comes to sport, that moment back then in '81, the underarm. It didn't do anything really to uh, to bind us any closer. Can I ask you your yeah. memories of Richard, Sir Richard? Well, of all Kiwis, I mean, he was, you know, just just say so, so, a little bit um, uh, Hazelwood S star guess, yeah. or more Hazelwood, always on the so consistent, yeah, so consistent, you know, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's. Well, He's probably the best they've ever yeah. had, isn't he? I, mean, I would agree with that. You'd have to agree with that. They've got a great team at the moment. Yeah. They really have. I mean, and and oh, so I, I dug out a stat last night. So yeah. where was it? I read it out earlier on. Um, over the three decades or whatever, we have been beaten, or they've beaten us, I think, once in about yeah. 33 tests. Mm. I mean, that's a bit that's bizarre, isn't it? It is remarkable. Well, because we in play, three decades, we don't travel to New. Uh, we get panned for being a poor touring side, and that's you know that's true in a sense. When we're talking about going over, we haven't. I'm trying to remember it. Our last series in New Zealand was back when Michael Clark was still the captain. Test series. So, yeah. um, it's been a while since we go over. We they come over here a lot more often than we go over there. So mm. I think they would have a part to play in it. But and they and they don't generally do too well in Australian conditions. The bouncy pitch is a lot more mm. English, similar to the English conditions down in New Zealand. Overcast days, you know, damp pitches, more grass on them. No, but still, even still three decades and they have yeah, won just long, one yeah, of 31 tests against, against us. And I know you can't compare tests to even one day cricket. You can't compare it, certainly can't compare it to T20 cricket. So you might say, yeah, well, that. Stat means nothing, does it? It's a totally different sport, which it is. But uh, just the golf. Um, yeah. we, in cricket, we generally have just been the dominant one, haven't we? Mm. Whereas I was saying earlier, in rugby, we're not even close to the All Blacks. They yeah. are so, so dominant over a long, long, long time. Why is that so? Why is that so? Who is that? Why is that so? That's the nutty professor. That was the mad professor, wasn't it? That was like a glass and a half of full cream dairy milk in every 200 gram block. Why is it so? Now, you won't remember that, Ed. <laughs> That's no. well over my head, okay, Chris. Okay, well, I'm giving my age away. <laughs> Why is it so? No? Okay, well, you think inter- I'm loopy, don't you? Well, it's interesting. So we're going to have to play them in this four-year cycle for the next World Test Championship. It hasn't been announced when we'll play them yet because next summer we have South Africa coming out for the Test Series, which will be terrific. It always is against um, the Proteas. Mm. But it would be, you know, they're the World Test Champions at the moment. The Kiwis. Yes. So I would, I would love to see a series between us and them. It, I, you know, we don't get them enough in cricket anymore. And it will be uh, two weeks exactly. Does that sound right? Between tonight's final and the first Gabba test. Yeah. Sounds a bit right, Chris. 14 yeah. days. Well, I've got to do, presume they've got it's to do It's got to be right because I read it somewhere. Yep. Yeah. So they're flying <laughs> into the players that are coming back from the T20 World Cup for both nations are flying in through the Gold Coast. They're going to do their their sort of bubble isolation up there. Mm. But then I believe, I'm not so sure if they got sorted out with the English test cricketers and Joe, because Joe Root's not at the T20 World Cup, of course. 
I want to talk about... Are they about... staying down in... I think they're still staying down in the Yarra Valley. Yeah, the wine uh, precinct. Yes. Yeah. We talked about that. Resort. Then, oh, beautiful. Tough life, eh? Yeah. Great cab savs down mm-hmm. the way too. Am I getting that? No, I'm getting my areas mixed up actually. Cab savs are down no, no, way. They, they, yeah, no, they do. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. And, and Barossa, but there's another one I, I do like. Uh, can't remember it at the moment. Now, just uh, <laughs> uh, on the, uh, I'm just trying to think of the one that I had recently. that was really nice from mm. uh, down there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, Re the New Zealand uh, Australia angle and the rivalries yes. and love this them, hate them. Like uh, Mark from Prairiewood says, "What about the ownership rivalry? I.e., are they Australian or, or New Zealand?" He's listed a few there. Russell Crowe. We'll give them Russell Crowe. Yeah, they can have him. Yeah. Okay, and that's justice of the peace. So he's immediately. Uh, stabbing his authority <laughs> on the show, and he's given New Zealand Russell Crowe. Uh, Mad Russian, you here? Present. Okay. Pavlova. See, I, I actually think that's Kiwi as well. They can they, have that. Because they have Kiwi fruit on some Pavlovas. Yeah, that's very true. So I'm, They can have Pavlova. I'm I hate it. Happy. Oh, okay. You're not a it. fan of the meringue? No, hate it. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, they can definitely have it. Yep. What okay. else have we got? Uh, Pavlova New Zealand. You got that? Have mm. we got anything? Uh, what else have we got? Uh, crowded House. They're Australian. They're Australian. Like my Lord. Book. Can you dig some of that out while we have this discussion? Uh, crowded House. Like Lord. Have you heard of some of her work? She's Kiwi, but she's Australian now. Lives over here. So All the what is she? Can't be both. Over here. Can you be both? No. Okay. Well, how about the last one? This is the one. If I ask you what nationality are you to Lord, what's she going to say? Probably. No, not probably. She can't well, be I, both. I can't ask Lord. I can't get in her head. My lord, I don't even know who she is. She good? (laughs) She's a good singer. Oh, hang on! I just bought tickets to a concert. (laughs) I'm a daughter. It's been canned. Seventy five bucks. My daughter told me last night. Oh, that's the one she's going to. Going to Lord? No, she's not going to Lord. Oh, been canned. Um, next year. And she's her and her dear friend. Oh, funny! Last night, this is funny. Where yeah. this is going? So her and her dear friend Riley. Riley stayed over last night. They mm. can have a sleepover. No drama. Made them nice pizzas. Blah blah blah. Yep. Uh, and I gave them money and I booked the tickets for Lord and for a friend as well yep. a few yep. weeks back. She said, "Oh, Dad, we're not going anymore next year. It's been postponed to 2024." And my daughter Matilda said, "Well, what if?" I'm not friends with Riley in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and a friend sitting with her at the dinner table. I said, well, hang on. Yeah. Um, just buy each other out that's and take right. another friend. That's exactly so that's right. Lord. Crowded house. According to our great friend sources of Wikipedia, Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. There you go. Melbourne. Yes. So we're taking Crowded I House. I wanted you to play some music from Crowded House. That's what I was after. Oh, but might I'll, do that out of the next program. Yeah, you go to the Okay, one more then. New Zealand or Australian? Farlap. They can't have Farley. No, they can't have Farley. No. But have Australian. they? Well, he's bred there, but he raced his most of his career in, in Australia. Where so he's I? Australian. He died in the US. Poisoned. Oh, God. Well, they're not. Septics aren't getting him. No, no, no. But he was poisoned. You remember That's that story? Right. Poisoned yeah, over there. sad. I cried After watching the movie. One. Cried watching yeah. the movie with my kids. Cried watching E.T. as well. All three times I watched <laughs> E.T. and cried. I did. Yeah. All right. You're listening to Sports Central, by the way. This is a sports program. That's why I tell you, you'd better be home soon. Stripping back the coats, the lies and deception. 
Feel free, free to sing along, and you probably are uh, tapping along to that one. Crowded house, so we are asking the question, are they Aussie or are they Kiwi? And uh, some of the, the love-hate relationships, the great sporting rivalries between our two countries ahead of tonight's uh, T20 Cricket World Cup final. Again, I've said it, haven't I? I said tonight. I can't say tonight because technically it's not tonight. It's in uh, the early hours tomorrow, 1 a.m. to be precise. Uh, gee, I wish we could all watch it in prime time, but... Uh, Never mind, never mind. I, I, if you are watching it, let me know. Pick up the phone, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Have you got some plans? Have you made plans around the game uh, tomorrow morning, 1am, about how you can get enough sleep a few hours in the in the tank, in the bank? Uh, maybe grab a, a few hours, get, out, get up and watch it and go back and grab a couple of more? Uh, or are you just going to IQ it and try and watch it tomorrow without having been informed what the result is? Uh, let us know if you've got any plans around that. Pick up the phone and have a chat. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. I won't bite. 0457 736 736 is the text line. And again, uh, send through some of your uh, you know, great rivalries or or anything to do with New Zealand and uh, and Australia. So um, before we had uh, Mark from Prairie Wood, hence why we played Crowded House just then, Read the ownership. Who I mean, is Russell Crowe, New Zealand or or Kiwi? Uh, JP here here is in the house. He's given New Zealand Russell Crowe. Um, I've given New Zealand Pavlova because I don't like it. Crowded House. What did we decide? We keep. We, we keep Crowded House, Chris. Yeah, oh, good. I like that. And Farlet, we keep. Yes, we do. Okay, and you can have Russell, and you can have. Pavlova, and you can uh, you can do what you like with the pavlova. I don't care where you put the pavlova. Mm-hmm. You got what I'm saying? I don't particularly like it. Thank you, Mark from Prairie Wood. Other texts coming in uh, as well. Um, Ariane, I think it is. Ariane, if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, good afternoon to you from Kalara. The 2015 World Cup group game. Yes, Mitchell Stark, 7 for 15. But then Grant Elliott. Uh, massive performance from him putting the icing on the cake, a famous New Zealand win. Famous New Zealand win there. Um, 2015. So that was, I'm just trying to work out, South Africa. Was in that semi-final. And we went on to win it, though. We went on to win it. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Ariane from Kilara. So we're going to be talking to Grant Elliott later on in the show. Yes, as, we certainly will be. As chance would have happen. That, that's good. Hey? So things work out well. Um, keep them coming through. G'day, Wah and the Mad Russian. Uh, Tim the Toolman's in touch here. Uh, Timmy's a regular with the show and he, he listens to higher ground and he's first to get to the bar generally and um, crack open a, a Bundy um, when the gift vouchers are given out. Um, we generally, Hutchie, the big honcho. So just putting you in the picture, JP, because you're new to the station. Hutchie gives us on the evening programs two vouchers for our live studio audience. Each, okay. So they yep. get a couple of free drinks because mm-hmm. this is a sports bar. Yes. Right? Well, it's not today. Yes. But this same studio is rebranded. Mm-hmm. It's a sports bar and you pull up a stool and have a drink. But um, Tim, the tool man, he's, he's generally here quite often and, and tries to sneak a few extra vouchers in for the Bundys. And we often have to order him an Uber home. <laughs> How much is usually his trip? Huh? How much is his, his trip? His, uh, no, I think he's Northern Beaches somewhere. I don't know. I haven't asked. <laughs> I'm just going to send the Uber um, 
the bill on to Hutchie later on. Oh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> uh, sorry, I digress. But Tim, the tool man, says, G'day, Wara and the Mad Russian. And so now you as well. Justice of the Peace is in the house. JP, all right, so you've got to include him. Can we give the Kiwis Western Australia? <laughs> yes. We could well, give them that. It's we... a lovely state, though. Yes, agreed. Forget the politics and mm. who's running the joint. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely part of the world. I lived there for five years. Got some good friends over there still. I love WA. Tooley, no. They can have the the leaders. They can have the Premier. Mm -hmm. They can have the whole cabinet over there. They can have the whole kit and caboodle, but they can't have the actual state. We can't chop that off. We still need that WA. Yeah. I do say this. People who are living in WA are lucky. At least they can watch the T20 World Cup at a recent time at at 10 o'clock. Yeah, you're right. Well, that's reasonable. Yep. By any stretch. Yeah. So they're going to be watching it at about 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a long flight, you know, from uh, let's say Perth to Auckland. We're talking seven, eight hours. Yep, you would be, depending on which way the wind goes, of course. Oh, because flying that way to Perth um, is okay, but coming back is about another hour extra. Yeah, the trade winds, true. Oh, okay. You think I'm making this stuff up? Well, I've heard stories. Yeah, like, you're raising those eyebrows at. I've heard stories like you know people have done. I think people who've done Sydney to Perth. Yep. And I've heard them do red eyes, and they've always said to me, Chris, and you probably you can speak yeah. on this. Well, they're the don't, cheap flights, the red eyes. Yeah, don't do the red eyes because it will affect your body like for like maybe a week or two. If It depends if you can sleep in the air. If you can sleep on a flight, and I can't unless I take something to help me, which I don't like taking. But, yeah, uh, yeah, the red eye is not fun. But it's generally the cheaper flight, and bang, and you get here, and you've got the whole day, you're ahead of it, if you can sleep. Oh, no, no, yeah, so because I lived over there five years, and so we used to come back every fortnight mm-hmm. for um, – I was playing with the Western Reds, yeah. so we'd come back every fortnight, play NRL, blah, blah, mm-hmm. basically, mostly. But And I can't recall which way it was, but one way is about half an hour or an hour longer because depending on the trade winds. So there you go. See, this is very educational, this show. Very educational. Very educational. You are learn you learning? Some, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm always learning, learning each something? day. Yes, I am. Wish I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you also learned that I don't like Pavlova. Anyway, uh, Ariane, thank you for getting in touch with that one and the tool man and there's others in the inbox as well. Mark from Prairiewood. Um, yeah, so we're just reliving some great sporting moments between New Zealand and Australia and uh, maybe some characters over the years, some some Kiwis who you, you've l- grown to love. Everyone's loved jo- Jonah Lomu, didn't we? Had to. Yeah, mm-hmm. even though he just terrorised us, right? Total respect, right? Yeah. Well, speaking of the great Jonah Loma, I still remember when I was younger, probably five or six-year-old, playing the game on the PlayStation, Jonah Loma Rugby. Oh. That was a blast from the past. I'm going, yes. I'm going gee. Richie McCall? Well, he was not loved, yes, was no? he? No. That he no? was hated. Yes, that's a He no. was despised But in terms of ability. No, yeah. He was a Cam Smith character. You you respected him, but gee, bug the hell no out No love? Here. Yeah, 100%. He always gets the referee's way. He always somehow oh, always nags the referees. That's oh, a good jeez. Okay. Uh, Tim the Toolman's back in touch, by the way. 0457736736 if you want to join the conversation. So I did tell you uh, early on, we don't have a script. <laughs> we don't have a running order even. So what do you get paid for if you're the executive producer? Isn't one of your key roles to put a running order together? Yeah, I've got a guest here today. I've been cutting up grabs outside. Oh, I've okay. been, you know. So it's just me choosing not to go. Well, with... how about the notes I've written you out here as well? Oh, look at you those. Know. Where are they? Oh. 
<laughs> That's good of you to look at. Oh, okay. So rugby league, uh, Cameron Seraldo's future's under question. I just found some notes you've written here for. Uh, the rumour mill will not go away that uh, Dolphins and Wayne Bennett have earmarked the highly regarded Cameron Seraldo as assistant coach for the NRL 17th team. It is perfect timing for the 37-year-old who comes off contract at the Panthers at the end of next season. Right. So will that happen? See, Ben Tio's going there as well. Chatting to Benny yesterday. Mm. Um, I was going to get him on the show to have a, a bit of a chat. And he said, mate, look, I just respectfully uh, decline if I can because I don't want uh, Wayne thinking I'm doing too much media, et cetera. And I want him, you know, I want to be focused on the job. I said, no, fair play. Good as gold. So uh, you reckon Cameron Seraldo might go and learn under the great one? Wayne Bennett. I tell you what, Penrith won't uh, let him go in a hurry. Uh, they they say that you know, the, the way he's got them defending is just you know, off the chart you sure in terms of a defensive coach. You saw it in those last two games, no prelim final and, and the grand, and the grand final. Seasons, haven't we? Last two seasons, when the attack was a little bit clunky towards the end of the year, they leaned on their defence, and gee, didn't it pay off? Mm. Uh, sorry, back on Tim the Tool Man. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six is the the text line. Um, no one's picked up the phone yet. Is it? Turn your mic on. JP. I've got absolutely got nothing at the moment. Why, Chris. why is that? Do you think they got nothing to say? They don't. Want, are they a oh, bit scared? Happy on, the, happy on the text. They're happy on. on Maybe the we text. do need to give you a prize. Well, I think we do. We haven't got a budget. Oh, Has anyone got a prize out there you can send through? <laughs> Tim the Toolman. Uh, Timmy said, "Fair car, fair call. Why? Give them. Uh, yeah, give them. So we can't give New Zealand WA. They can't have the whole state because it's and it's rich in resources and good people over there. Bar a few." But they can have the uh, the politicians. Um, expensive Uber to turn Gabby. But if Hutchie's paying, uh, I'm in. Tool man. All right. You just keep coming, turning up on higher ground. Um, elsewhere in sport, $120 million stadium Australia roof is being planned. Uh, this has been written by Phil Rothfield in The Telegraph. The New South Wales government is considering a $120 million project to put a retractable roof over Stadium Australia in Homebush. My God, it'd be a big one. How long would that take to open and close? I would say maybe 15 minutes, 20. Oh, I don't know. It'd be longer. Sometimes you have to push the button. What about Rod Laver Arena? It's ain't tiny. Well, so I was thinking more comparison to Marvel Stadium in Melbourne because that's a similar-sized stadium. I think it takes a couple of hours. I reckon it'd be a while, wouldn't it? Okay. So you've got to be planned ahead. Millennium well, Stadium Mel- has one. You know, Melbourne in winter, you can basically keep it closed. Keep it closed. <laughs> it's just it's raining most of the time. How? But I haven't been there. Mm. I've been to Melbourne. Not Marvel, Marvel. Marvel. I haven't it's, been there. Have you ca- been there with roof closed? I've been there. No, I've only been there with roof open. Have you ever seen matches roof closed? I mean, it looks like it's at night. They don't really. The afternoon. They don't kick high though, do they, in that sport, in AFL? No. They don't put stab- bombs up. No. Little stab kicks. Rugby league has been played there? No. Yes, I remember. Yes, no, yeah, no. Yeah, I remember. It has, I'm sure The Melbourne Storm played there Yeah, I'm sure they did. And there was a question about a high bomb, how close would it actually go to the roof? Anyway, what happens if it hits the roof? Still play on? Well, we'll be play on in the AFL. There'd be rules in place. That happens in other sports. Baseball, they have a lot of, playing a lot of domes and balls hitting. I don't think it's in the NRL rule book. No. Well, it doesn't need... I know if it's a referee, it hits the referee to scrum. With, scrum. Roofs on, with roof on. One. Yeah. 
You'd have to. It'd be a monstrous bomb. Well, we're going to have to look at this because, be, because if there's a roof on Stadium Australia, we're going to have to... It'd be a monstrous bomb to get it to the top of Stadium Australia. Yeah. It'd be a Nathan Cleary and he, he really, really caught it. They can hoik him. Or Adam bigger, Dewey. They'd be getting faster and bigger and stronger. Adam Dewey would be a chance. Yep. I don't know. How high is it going to be? Mm. Will they take into consideration the height of a bomb? Anyway, uh, it will allow Sydney to stage so 120 million project retractable roof over Stadium Australia, uh, and allow Sydney to stage major events including NRL Grand Finals, State of Origin, UFC blockbusters, and concerts for up to 80 for 80,000 fans under a complete roof, a complete cover. So therefore, you always know that you know, an event's not going to get rained out, mm-hmm. and so you'll always sell your 100 percent of tickets. You would have thought, assuming that some people. Wait and see if what the weather's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the plan is part of Venues New South Wales uh, Chairman Tony Shepherd's long-term vision to ensure Sydney is in a position to beat rival states for the best local and international sporting content. So are we for uh, Mad Russian? Yay or nay for Roof on ANZ? Yay. Yay. Justice? Not yet for me. I reckon they need to fix up on the suburban grounds. Well, that's part of it as well. Oh, in part of the article is they're going to allow a certain amount of revenue to, to go to three, I think, three suburban grounds. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. How much do you spend on that? And and the you know, we'll always say, too, but it's, it's in the wrong part of Sydney anyway. That's going to be a great talk topic when, that, when they're deciding which three stadiums it already has been. Well, I think to, it also will, it will keep the bunnies there as well. Part of the deal will keep. Oh, South Sydney there, rather than them going to share with uh, the Roosters, Roosters at the Sydney new, new stadium, stadium. Yeah. the Sydney Football Stadium. You might have some thoughts on that as well. Um, yay or nay for a roof over Stadium Australia? I mean, look, uh, it's years and years ago, there was nothing out there, was there? And it is developing. And the old argument too, like around the world, and I've been to some really good stadiums, uh, you know, even like Twickenham Stadium, for example, but they're... Um, and in Barcelona, the stadium, Stade Francais, is pretty much close to a, a um, central city precinct mm. where there's nightlife and there's bars and there's pubs and clubs to go to. Mm. Millennium Stadium, there's loads of stuff to do down there in Cardiff as well. And the, the, so the sporting event is what I'm saying is becomes more than just your, your 80 minutes or your mm. two hours at the ground. You make the whole day around it. We've done that a bit wrong in New South Wales, well, yeah, haven't we? Particularly Homebush. Well, they did that, but See, it is it is improving. One. They they've plonked it there, mm. and then they're building they're mm. building the the hospitality stuff around it. Yeah. Um, whereas you know the the, the good events, the great stadia, and Dublin as well, you know, are right in the middle of. Yeah. Even more park is it? You know, that's a half hour walk to yes. Central. Yeah, I agree. That's probably. You know, if you tore it all down and redid it, you'd probably have that a little bit and closer those sta- than, well, though, yeah. than it is. Yeah, those stadiums around the world that are right in the, you know, the, the, the not the central business district necessarily, but in a got nightlife and, and restaurants and bars and clubs around it, you know, they do so much better because it then becomes a real day out. Mind you, from experience, with 14 or 15 or 16 pubs in the one street leading into Twickenham Stadium, <laughs> you have a day out. By the time you get there, you, you might as well be asleep anyway. Mm. So there are, there is a downside to mm. that logic. Well, Parramatta is actually very well placed. Combat Stadium is Absolutely. actually very well placed at the moment. Absolutely. You've got the Leagues Club on one side. You've got the Parramatta Club on the other. It's oh, right mate, in the middle it, of mate, the precinct. Restaurant after restaurant yeah. after restaurant now. Good I grew up in too. Parramatta. You should have seen it when I went to school there. Mm. There was very little there. 
David Jones was there on the bank of Parramatta River, and that's the milk bar across the road where I caught the bus home from school. Buzzing now. Oh, unrecognisable, Parramatta, Parramatta. All right, keep those texts coming through. Uh, sorry, we are sort of drifting off topic a bit. We were, I don't know how we got there, but we well, were, no, we're talking oh, about stadiums. stadiums. Sorry, that's yeah. definitely not off oh, topic, Oh, that was part Chris. of your job. That's right. These are your notes. It's definitely not off just, topic. You've just handed me. I'm trying to get hold of Tim Zhu, by the way. Is that Timmy right? Zoo. He's taking on um, Takeshi Inouye on Wednesday. Yeah. Big fight. Next step towards a world title fight. I'm trying to get hold of him. Mm. So we might take a break. I might try and get hold of Tim and we might try and have a chat um, to, well, let's hope he is a future world champion. This is Sports Central. Great to have your company. Um, going to the Gold Coast as well, SEN 1620. Uh, so welcome to you guys up there. It's coming up to 25 minutes to 2 o'clock here uh, in Sydney. Chris Warren with you right up until 4 o'clock. I've just had a call too. Um, Timmy Zoo's going to jump online. We have a chat to Tim Zoo uh, ahead of uh, Wednesday's big fight. So that's a bit of a get. Well done to him. He's just having some lunch now. He's well, not too far away from that way in a few, you know, a couple of days away. So he's got to watch what he's eating or, or you know, making weight, and then they they pile it on, don't they? So be interested to uh, to see how he's uh, how he's tracking Timmy Zoo. He'll be joining us here on Sports Central uh, in the within the next hour. So uh, stand by for that. Uh, Chris Warren here with uh, the Mad Russian, also uh, JP Justice of the Peace, who is new to the stable. So again, a, a welcome to him. But crossing to you, Mad Rusky, and around the grounds there. You've got a few scores for us. Uh, cricket, you've got a bit of football as well and also some motorsport. So we'll start with the FFA Cup, Chris. Three games yesterday in the football, the round ball game. Central Coast Mariners won. Blacktown City nil in a rain-swept Mudgy. Uh, Glen Willow Regional Sporting Complex in Mudgy. So that was a, a good contest. It was great good ground, see, that yeah, one too. And a great concept, the FFA Cup. I just love it. MacArthur FC getting their first win in the competition. 3-0 over Newcastle Olympic up there and there was a playoff to get into the tournament because the bottom four sides from the A-League last season have to qualify to actually get Good. into the FFA Cup. Western United beating Newcastle Jets 2-1 in that one. Uh, we've got two races from City Motorsport Park today in the V8 Supercars. They'll be starting in about an hour or two's time. Well, I hope it stays dry for, instead of last weekend. Yes, exactly right. Horrendous. Lewis Hamilton in the F1 overnight. What happened? Qualified in P1, was getting ready for his first pole position so in a good, little while. Sounds good so far. And then Mercedes team principal Toto Wolff was informed that his lead driver had been disqualified. Why? Thanks to some technical, a DRS technical infringement. See, it's a bit technical for me, yeah. Formula so One. The DRS, is, the DRS is the drag reduction system, which they use oh, it's on the not straights. The, not the direct review system. No, 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 not the cricket one. So oh. this is the F1 version. So right. they use it on the straights to give themselves a bit more pace, a bit of a flap in the rear spoiler. Careful, careful, because yeah. you're starting to sound like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> We don't want to confuse. And anyway, our, we don't want to anyway, confuse our audience. And Lewis Hamilton uh, has been relegated to last on the grid. He trails Max Verstappen by, I think, about eighteen points in the championship, championship. standings. It's been one of the best championship battles. See, I like in that. Years, I like that for the F one. And I want Lewis, to see how much ground he makes up. There. Yeah, it's a big race for him in the early hours we can't of win. tomorrow morning in Brazil. Can't win from the back, but I want to see He's how much it. ground he makes. He's up. done it before. From a long way back, I don't think from last in the grid, but he's mm. well known for that. And we got the well, w- our petrol heads will let us know exactly anyway. Right. Is, is Lewis any chance from the back of the grid? And the WBBL WBBL getting underway. It's a Sydney Smash. Oh yeah, oh, and it's just underway now. We pink can see v, pink v lime green. That's exactly right. The Sixers taking on the Thunder, and the 
Thunder won the toss and have chosen to field first, as he's done in limited overs cricket around the world now, Chris. The man for Bates. Talking, and is that your rap there? That's very That's my rap. very good. And also, you might want to point out, too, um, world number one Belgium have qualified for the football they World have. Cup so with a game to play. They were, in a, they were in a simple group. Wales were their biggest competitor. So they've breezed through that group. Wasn't a surprise. How would we go against Wales? Um, very good question, actually. At the, at the moment, they're a decent team. Gareth Bale, of course, mm. is Welsh. Um, if he was playing, I'd say we struggle without him. I you would say we win. You would. Thank you, Mad Russian. Round the grounds. That's a comprehensive, um, comprehensive score update. See JP. See what you've got to do. That's that's what you got to tell me, Michael. That's what you got to do. Learning on the job, as they always say, Chris. Yeah, learning on the. Oh, we're all learning on the job. Mm. We've all got our training wheels on still. If, and, and the day you stop learning, you've got to give it away. That's right. Mm-hmm. that true? That is true. What were you saying about the women's BBL, re the uh, the toss or the, well, the so bat the, flip? So the bat flip, well, this is becoming, we're talking That's about this bat, on Friday. Bat, bat flip. We're talking about this on Friday night. The mm. Winning the toss is halfway to winning these so games crucial. in the T20 World Cup at the mm. moment. It's similar in the WBBL. You, you're winning the toss and you're, you're bowling first. Mm. So you have that target to chase. Sort of upside down to test cricket. Well, and Oftentimes. we've seen some, there's not a big crowd out there, but you were interested in, there's some controversy about cricket balls I want to talk to you about Perth. Sp- yes, I spoke about balls yesterday. Yeah. I talked to you two cricket about balls, balls <laughs> in a moment. Uh, but j- just on that winning the toss, so we know how crucial it's been in the T20 World Cup. The, the team that you know, that sort of bats second is 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 winning most of the games. So 32 games in the Super 12 stage, 21 of them have been won by the team that bats second. Now, 11, get this, 11 of the 12 games played in Dubai, where this one will be played Mm. tonight. It's not tonight, early hours tomorrow. 11 of the 12 played in Dubai at this ground have been won by the team chasing. So my goodness, I mean, you know, how important is this? Is the the toss going to be? And look, I I don't know enough about it in terms of why that is. But you know, with the lights on, so six thirty p.m. the local time, the match will start. So with the lights on and there's a fair bit of dew around, um, just difficult. It seems difficult to bowl second. Um, and the longer the game goes, it seems to be better to bat and more difficult to bowl. Um, and those stats, they they. They don't lie. Mm. Eleven of twelve played at this at this stadium in Dubai have been won by the chasing team. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, you might. I tell you, here's another idea. Just just wait up tonight until one a.m. Watch the toss, um, and if we win the toss and elect to bowl, well, you can go to bed. It's all over. Yeah, we will go to bed. Just give us a trophy. We'll give New yeah. Zealand a trophy. Yeah, oh. yeah. Save us all sleepless night. <laughs> I had a sleepless night last night. Mm. Oh, jeez, yeah. You haven't got an eight-year-old that sleeps in your bed, have you? No, I haven't, thankfully. Or an eight-year-old who doesn't sleep in the bed when they're rolling around like a wriggly worm. They don't understand, do you? They've got, you've got a job to go to the next morning. You've got to be clear-headed. You've got to have a, at least six or seven hours sleep. Mm. They just don't get it. Anyway, uh, keep those texts coming through. 0457 736 736. Come on, great uh, Kiwi-Aussie rivalries. What are they? Some of the events over the years. Um, embarrassing moments like 1981, like the underarm. We've got that one as well. Uh, they don't have to be in cricket. They don't even have to be about sport. We've had the argument about Crowded House and Pavlova and Farlap. And what else? 
Who else? Um, Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've given Russell Crowe. Yeah, they can take Russell Crowe. There was a really, uh, really nice model way back when, 20 years ago. Oh, come on. She was on Sports Illustrated. Uh, Tool two Man all know. You guys don't remember, do you? No, way too young. Way before my way time. Way too young. Yeah. You should be looking at that stuff anyway. Oh, well, no. She's <laughs> just a, no, she was a Sports Illustrated model. I'm sure she was New Zealand, but uh, um, we could own her. Uh, Bondi Jack is listening in. Good afternoon to you, mate, as well. Um, and he says, Wah. That's me, by the way. Wah is my, my nickname for why. Is it Wah? Uh, my football coach had a stutter way back when. <laughs> And war, 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 couldn't get Warren out. So it was war. Uh, sorry, mate, but the Kiwis have no respect in uppercase, screaming at me here. Uh, they have no respect for us at all. They constantly mock and ridicule us on New Zealand radio and podcasts, particularly Tim Payne. And quite rightly, they have the, they have the integrity. And yet, uh, only two hours away, Cricket Australia has treated New Zealand like lepers in test cricket. It's an utter disgrace, especially given they are the better team from Bondi Jack. So uh, he's throwing a bit of mud at our at Cricket Australia there for the way they, we, have treated New Zealand over the years. Um, you might have your thoughts on that as well. I just I think it's quite it's quite remarkable, quite bizarre that that that, that stat, stat that they've only won one test um, in what did I say the last thirty at New Zealand. But obviously Test cricket and twenty twenty cricket they're very very different, aren't they? Very different beasts indeed. Um, yeah, so if you want to get involved with the show, you can. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is that open line number. Now, just back on the St. George Illawarra, I, I tell you what, we, we might take a, a quick break. I want to dive into this in a bit more detail, but I will be talking about St. George Illawarra Dragons um, and the lack of Dragons developed players, it would seem, in the current 30-man squad. Reading this article in the Telegraph today, of the 30 contracted players, zero are from the Dragons. We're going to talk to uh, former New Zealand cricketer Grant Elliott too, uh, well, in about 15 minutes or so, and get his thoughts on on how it all might pan out um, late tonight, very late tonight. Um, the Dragons, so not one St. George Jr. in the Dragons NRL squad. And this comes off of an investigation um by the Daily Telegraph over the post week, I guess it is. Um, and this headline here, the, the pathways to nowhere. So you might have some thoughts if you're a St. George Illawarra Dragons fan, whether you come from the St. George Dragons side of the relationship or from the Illawarra Steelers side of, of the marriage. Um, but it would appear that it has been anything but, I guess, uh, a marriage made in heaven. Or has it? I mean, you've, you've, ha- you've had the one premiership in 2010, but like the West Tigers, it's, it's been pretty lean pickings, hasn't it? The last time I – and this is not a criticism, by the way. I'm just, just reporting what is in the paper here today to you guys. But the last time I um, spoke about the Dragons or was critical of them was at the start of this season where I suggested that them, they might well be in contention for the Wooden Spoon. And as it turned out, they, they were nowhere near Wooden Spoon contenders and well done to them under – um, Anthony Griffin, who I, I know pretty well, and and I like him a lot. How will they go in 2022 is the question. Um, how will they go? What are your thoughts, Dragons fans? But this article here is more about um, the lack of, of one part of the marriage. So there is going to be not one local junior from the St. George side of the joint venture. 
in the 2022 30-man squad. And this goes on, and it's written by Brent Reed, David Riccio, and Michael Carianis, um, a joint effort. So there's three of them all putting this one article together. A bit like us here, I suppose. There's, there's you, as, Justice. All working as a team. Working as a team. No I in team. Um, it goes on to say this. Is this the death of the St. George Junior? For the first time in St. George Illawarra's history, and perhaps in St. George 101-year existence, the Dragons will not have a St. George product in their top 30 next year. And when you read that, you think, wow, wow, they do have problems. It's quite remarkable. The startling revelation comes in part two of the Sunday Telegraph's forensic look into St. George Illawarra's fortunes. When St. George and Illawarra merged, the running gag was that St. George provided the cash and the Steelers provided the players. Uh, This has never been more evident ahead of the 2022 season. After the departure of local junior Matt Dufty to Canterbury, the St. George side of the joint venture will not provide a player in first grade next year. Um, St. George Illawarra's premiership year, they had four local players in the top grade with two of them, Mark Gaznier and Jason Nightingale, featuring in the grand final winning team. And just goes on to say there, um, they've got Kyle Stanley heading up their junior development and uh, some other players, as or other former players as well. Uh, in terms of uh, junior league numbers in the St. George district, it says, this article says they are slowly rising. Um, the numbers grew to 1,675. So 1,675 last year. Uh, which was their highest in junior numbers in uh, six seasons. But those numbers are well below the likes of Balmain, would you believe? 2,053 juniors there. Manly, uh, 2,461. And they all dwarf in in comparison to Penrith. 8,769 juniors in the Penrith Panthers system. They've always been the biggest nursery, haven't they? Alongside uh, Parramatta in yesteryear. But those development numbers, it just goes to show, doesn't it? They do translate into NRL premierships. The bulk of the the Panthers premiership winning team are all local juniors. Food for thought, isn't it? This is Sports Central. Ball there! Got him third ball! New Zealand's trump card makes his way back. Bang! With Davey Warner, he's absolutely spanked that one. Smith heaves it away. That'll do it! Steve Smith fittingly hits the winning runs and Australia are champions of the world. Yes, indeed. Champions of the world. That was, what, six years ago? And yes, it was um, ODI cricket, um, a little bit different to T20. uh, And that's what we're faced with tonight. A huge night of cricket. And you can hear it all unfold right here on SEM. Our coverage of the uh, the World Cup final, T20 World Cup final, beginning at 8pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, big build-up, isn't it? Big, big build-up. So plenty for you to uh, to listen to up until the main event. Um, the first ball will be from 1am. And a man who will be uh, without sleep um, calling the game for SENZ is former um, Black Caps batsman Grant Elliott, who joins us now. How are you, Grant? We seem to have a bit of a problem there if Grant is there. I don't Can you hear me, Grant? Are you there, buddy? Uh, he's dropped off. We might uh, we'll come back to him and see if we can can get hold of of Grant. But he was the star of the show. Do you remember way back when? Um, 
New Zealand, uh, the run to the final of the World Cup in 2015. 84 not out he scored off just 73 balls. That was against South Africa at Eden Park. And uh, Grant was actually born in South Africa, but he's been an adopted uh, New Zealander for uh, 20-odd years or, or even more now. And then he went on to score 83 more uh, against us in the final. That was at the MCG. Our guys won it um, against New Zealand. Uh, are you there, Grant? Have we got you now? I am. Can you hear me, Chris? Oh, I got you, brother. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. How are you oh, doing? You all right? Yeah, I, as I was saying, I was still, still on the line there, but I was saying I was doing all right. So, so you played a replay of that uh, final <laughs> back in 2016. I didn't think that that was necessary. You did your best, though. You you held your end up more <laughs> than held your end up. Before we, we talk about that, we, we've just been sort of having a bit of a lighthearted go here today, mate, and you probably do it over there as well. Uh, just the rivalry between, and look, I know you, I know you're South African born, but you are you're, you're New Zealand through and through these days. The rivalry between our two nations, Australia and New Zealand, um, we are friends, aren't we? We are friends. We do like to put an arm around each other, but there, when it comes to sport, that that it's sort of put to one side a bit, isn't it? That 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 friendship. <laughs> Absolutely, I think that. Yeah, once you cross that line, I think. I think it's partly because you know that the, the Australian way of playing the game is really hard. Um, you know, it's in your face, it's pretty aggressive, um, and you can't get away from that fact. Whereas I think the Kiwi way of playing the game is probably a little bit more understated. Um, and mm. when you cross that rope, you know you're in for a battle. So there's no friendships on the field, but absolutely off the field, it's, uh, it's always good to ha- have, a, have a beer with the guys and, and have a drink. Um, and I think, you know, guys have forged a lot of friendships in the IPL and that I haven't been fortunate enough to play in the IPL, mm. but, you know, played with Mike Hussey and Shane Watson in the Caribbean League. And you tend to make those friendships now uh, during the, the T20 mercenary stuff, I guess. Mm. It's it's um, surprising to many that the, that the final has worked out the way it is. Uh, you guys and, and us, um, you know, Southern Hemisphere battle and, Probably the organisers may not be so happy with that because we probably will lose mi- millions of eyeballs and, and ears um, around the globe, given there's there's no one from the Northern Hemisphere or, or the subcontinent involved. But uh, who cares? We love it. And any battle between New Zealand and Australia over the years and whatever sport, and you'll know this, it's... Um, it's as fierce as they come, and and there's a special there's a special bit of glee or glow that comes out for the victor, you know, and, and the same with us against um, the All Blacks. I'm sure, which we we haven't had much luck over the years, but um, I imagine all of New Zealand very much looking forward to this. Yeah, there, there, there's been a lot of people that haven't woken up for games leading up to the final, mm. but I've spoken to um, quite a few people who are waking up to they, they're fizzing for this one especially because it's against Australia. And I know that we've got a you know, build-up show and we're going to be linking with the, um, the Aussie commentators before we go into our SENZ commentary over here just for New Zealand. So that rivalry, I think, adds a little bit more punch to uh, the event. And mm. like you said, I think the ICC will be very disappointed with New Zealand cricket having made <laughs> their third final in ICC competitions because ideally they'd want it to be India, but... No, stuff them, stuff them. 
<laughs> yeah, stuff them. What Very time? What Grant? What time is it for uh, you guys then? Because I, I, we're over here and it's one a.m. for us, and and not many. Most of my mates, I've said, listen, did you watch the Pakistan game honestly live? And and none of them have said yes. Yeah, here uh, we've been doing some tough hours like you guys. It's either the eleven to three, but this particular game is three to six thirty. So there have been a few occasions where I've woken up and. You know, semi-final was great because I woke mm. up and my son was awake at 6 a.m. and we watched the last 30 minutes of the, the runs chase um, right, yeah. in his bed. So, you know, just showed him that and he was absolutely fizzed. So um, it does make a difference of time of day, but I think there's a lot of people staying awake for this one. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a big battle. And when I look at all the stats of these two teams, there's not a lot that separates them, to be honest. I didn't see New Zealand or Australia making the final. I thought it would be in England-India, uh, personally. Those are the two teams that were sort of informed going uh, into the, the tournament. But you look at this now, and, you know, it's anyone's game, I reckon. The only thing that is a little bit concerning is the toss. Mm. So toss is going to be massive. There's That's been um, nine night games at this ground, Dubai, and the team batting first is 1-0 of those. Mm. So I think the toss going into this game is huge. Well, there you go. We can. We we're joking before. We can just stay up till one a.m. our time or three a.m. your time and see the toss, and then we know the result of the game. We can go back to bed. But I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's that simple. Let's take you back, mate, all the way back to twenty fifteen, and we played highlights of that final then, New Zealand and Australia, and um, you got eighty odd against us, but we, we won that one. We've never won a T twenty World Cup. You've never been in a T twenty World Cup final. I just want to get some insight. In how you feel, you know, the night before, the night before these these big games, what, what goes through your mind? I used to, I used to really love it because I thought it was, you know, a moment to to be a hero. And I think mm. that T Twenty cricket specifically, any one of these players could be an absolute hero on the day. You know, it could just be a matter of balls. Like T Twenty cricket changes in three deliveries, three hits, three wickets. You know, it, it changes very quickly. So, um, in my opinion, you should be excited for it. It shouldn't be a nerve-wracking at all. You just have to try and really enjoy the moment. That's the most important thing. It's about enjoying the moment. Mm. Um, and I remember going into the 2016 World Cup, because it's a one-off game, and you're at the MCG, you're in front of 90,000-plus people. Um, I mean, if you can't enjoy that moment, you probably shouldn't be playing the game because that is what you should live for, for international sport. Mm. Um, what's the key to success then for, for New Zealand? W- would you say that their, their, their quicks hold the key, Southie, Bolt, Milne and co? Yeah, I, I think that it's New Zealand's bowling versus uh, Australian batting, mm. personally. I think that that's, uh, that's what the game is. New Zealand bowlers have been very miserly. That's, that's been the hallmark of the New Zealand bowlers. They have been extremely miserly and led by Tim Saudi. He's been excellent. Mm. So they've been getting wickets through not only pressure, but decent bowling, which sets it up for the spinners. I think the most notable thing is Satna only bowled one over in the last two games. And that, that was because they didn't want him to uh, bowl against left-handers. Um, so how they juggle that will be interesting because Satna was the other bowler who was very miserly before they played Afghanistan, uh, where Zadran got, got hold of him. And the other notable point with the New Zealand team is Devin Conway, who, I mean, how do you break your hand oh, or no. your, 
a fracture from punching your bat. I just, yeah. Anyway, what's been the fallout? What's been the that. fallout over there from that? Um, has he come in for a bit of stick? Oh, he's in such good form. You can't actually give him any stick. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think he had a pre-existing sort of injury there. He, he got an injury during the hundreds, so potentially yeah. it was a, a pre-existing thing. But uh, we'll only know later on down the line. But the guy coming in for him, Tim Seifert, mm-hmm. he's obviously experienced international cricket. He'll pro- more than likely take the gloves. And will he play a part at the top of the order or the middle of the order? Well, it's an awesome opportunity for someone who probably didn't think he'd be playing in a World Cup final to come in and just, you know, set the world alight. Mm. What, what, what scares you most about the Aussie team? Well, yeah, well, not scares you, but where do you think their strengths lie? Obviously, um, David Warner, you, you, you don't want him to keep firing like he has been. And, and I suppose you're hoping that Adam Zampa might have a little off night with the ball. Yeah, I think, obviously, Adam Zampa, it's how we play that. And, you know, going back to Conway not being in the team, the biggest asset New Zealand had was Conway as being a left-hander to manipulate the strike uh, through the middle stages. So Mm. we're going to miss that, and we're going to need batters to step up against spin. But I think the most worrying thing for me going into this game is the form of Warner. Suddenly he's got into form. Mm. And you know that when a a world-class batter has been out of form for a while and hasn't has, has struggled, they hang on to these purple patches, and they know that they cash in. Um, Steve Smith has been quite lean as has uh, Glenn Maxwell so they'll be mm. you know, amped to try and make a difference in this game so I think that the Aussie batting is it's strong, it bats deep you've got Matty Wade in form Stoinis is looking good now obviously there's a worry with Smith and, and Maxwell but it's just got way more experience than the New Zealand batting lineup. I think you're right, and so I, I can hear it from you. Basically, it is almost bowlers versus batsmen here, the strengths of, of either side. But, um, uh, you know, that, that toss is just so, so crucial. And I think, would you agree, I'm talking to Grant Elliott, by the way, former uh, New Zealand cricketer, would you agree that the Aussies seem to uh, be looking better the longer the, the tournament goes? They, they sort of experimented a little bit with their batting order. I think it'll be the same 11 uh, that will play you guys tonight that beat Pakistan. And and Matty Wade, you know, down there, I think at number seven, he, um, gee, did a great job the other night finishing them off. Oh, he, he did a, a fantastic job. And I think exactly what you said, like leading into this tournament, I didn't think that Australia had um, created a blueprint or a consistent enough team. They didn't really know what their best lineup was. Yeah. But now as the tournament's gone on, They've settled into a team. And I think that that's what New Zealand do so well in these world tournaments. They, In the lead-up to the tournament, they know the roles that the guys are going to play, and they just stick to the same 11 throughout the tournament. So guys get confidence in those positions. They feel quite accustomed. And when you do feel accustomed to the, the situations you're going to be in, that you can not only train your role, mm. um, is, is that you don't feel under as much pressure because you've felt that pressure in the lead-up to a final or semi-final. So that's why I didn't think Aussie would be as formidable as they have been. But now, going into finals, you think that they've got that blueprint, they've got the right structure in their team, and uh, it'll be yeah a, a great challenge, I think. Don't worry about the toss. It's finals cricket, so... Um, you know, anything can happen. Yeah, I reckon you're right, mate. Grant, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Um, 
and and let's just hope the best team wins, eh? Let's hope the best team wins. Let's hope, and I know it sounds cliched, but uh, let's hope it's a great battle and, and whoever deserves the victory come, comes out on top. So your coverage commences, uh, well, the first ball will be at 3 a.m. your time. Your coverage commences when on SENZ? Yeah, we're going to have a little bit of banter, I think. I think it's going to be a trans-Tasman banter where we get the, the Aussies from SEN against the SENZ. So I'm sure there'll be a, a little bit of crossfire during that <laughs> session in the lead-up to the game. Um, and then we'll see if we can get a word in, eh? Yeah. Um, and then uh, our, uh, our coverage starts at 3 a.m. So myself and uh, Dan McCarty, I'm the sidekick, and Dan McCarty leads, uh, leads the way. Uh, he's, he's sounding very aggressive as well, Dan. Oh, is he? Uh, he was getting fired up midweek. Yeah, he was getting fired up midweek for this game. So, Good on him. He's all pumped uh, up. He, we may even see a walkout. Oh, okay. Right. I like it. I like it. To what song, I wonder. Hey, listen, I've got a text here. Daz of the Dragon. And here we are. We're taking the mick out of each other. We, we, we can do that, can't we? Uh, he says, the Kiwis are well-grounded when it comes to attitudes to Aussies. Um, they have chops on both shoulders. <laughs> I thought <laughs> you're okay with that. All right, listen, mate, thanks again. <laughs> thanks again, Grant. And uh, you guys can probably tail off with a, maybe a champagne breakfast if it goes till 6 a.m. for you guys. And for our boys over here that might be staying up to watch it, it'll be, uh, I guess, home from the pub or whatever and, and, and just lead into it. <laughs> Either way, uh, thanks for joining us, Grant. Uh, thanks a lot, Chris, and good stuff to Daz of the Dragon. <laughs> good on you, brother. Talk to you soon. Yeah, there he is, uh, Grant Elliott, uh, the hero, wasn't he, of the New Zealand team, although they were beaten in that uh, World Cup final. Yes, I know it's ODI, but that was back in 2015, but um, he pretty much got them there, didn't he? Got them there on, on his bat alone um, in that, that wonderful uh, innings against uh, against South Africa, the country where where he uh, was born. All right, stick around. We've got plenty more to come. Uh, very shortly, actually, we'll be talking to Tim Zhu ahead of his big fight in Sydney on Wednesday. This is Sports Central. Yes, indeed it is. Coming up to 20 minutes past 2 o'clock. We're here until uh, 4 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, so great to have your company. All those uh, people sending text messages uh, through, please keep sending them through. There have been a number coming through also, um, which I haven't got to read out as yet, uh, supporting the great Tim Zhu ahead of his big fight against uh, Takeshi Inoue uh, on Wednesday night. And I'm pleased to say that Tim Zhu has been kind enough to take a bit of time out of his preparation. Where have you been? A bit of a build-up event out there with a bit of music as well at Bondi. Yeah, we just, we just finished up with um, with like the open session. Uh, it was a great turnout. Plenty of, plenty of people came along. Um, people were psyched about this fight, which, you know, it's mm. great to, to have this fight in Sydney. Well, mate, I think you'd probably agree, you know, and are you surprised about by the amount of support that you have started to build? They, You've got a huge following now in this country and around the world as well. Um, I guess that's what happens. We're, we love a winner, and uh, so far, mate, you have, have not been beaten, and we all know that you, you are a supreme athlete who, who works very, very hard. You must you must appreciate the support you've been given. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, you know. Everywhere you go now, everyone's uh, slowly recognising her, and mm. uh, I'm just a normal guy, you know. I'm just a normal guy who's just got big dreams and um, a big work ethic, and you know, it's 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 great to be uh, um, have that recognition from fans and to have everyone's support. It's, it's, it's mm. honestly. Incredible.
incredible. Mate, and rallied around you too, a good support team as well. And, and No Limit Boxing, let's give them a plug too. Georgie and Maddie Rose, I think they're doing really well, aren't they, for, for you and for uh, other members in their, in their stable. You've said today, mate, that, uh, well, I don't know what you said today, but you, you reckon you're going to stop this bloke, this Japanese fighter, uh, inside six rounds. Is that the plan? Yeah, that, that's the plan. But, you know, with boxing, you never know. Um, you just got to be smart and not rush into things. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, that's that's what I predicted. But uh, it could change. Um, just got to play the game, I guess. He looks to be in very good shape. This bloke, in a way, um, Takeshi, and I know he can fight. He's only had the one loss. You, you're yet to lose, and let's hope that that record continues. He looks to be very strong. Uh, could that possibly be his undoing? Yeah, look, I, I couldn't care less about, about Takeshi. You know, he's yeah, he's, he's got all that. But uh, when you're coming up with a style like mine, walk forward, uh, it only ends in one thing. Mm. What do you see as, as his weakness, if any? His advantage is his weakness. So what he thinks is going to work is not going to work. So that's the biggest problem. <laughs> Are you prepared for it to go the distance if that happens? You got plans B, C, yeah. and D. I've done over 200 rounds in this camp, you know. So this is the most I've ever done, most amount of rounds. I'm truly super fit. So if, if it goes, to, if it has to go 12 rounds, I'll be there. I'll be there. But uh, I don't plan to. This is this is boxing, and, and, and yeah. as we said, as I said before, we don't get paid overtime. Mm. What is the last few days look like for you leading into this fight? I, I know you've had a meal there today. How are you going for weight? What's the next few days entail? Yeah, everything's all right. Um, I'm getting bigger. You know, that's, that's all part of growing up now these days. Yeah. Um, so my shoulders, everything's everything's thickening up. So, yeah, weight's it's, it's a battle on its own, but I, I'm always, always able to do it properly. Um, next few days, we've got all the press that press conferences, uh, the weigh-ins, and then, it, and then it's go time. This fight, Timmy, uh, uh, potentially, I guess, it opens the door, doesn't it, to a, to a mandatory world title challenge with um, Castagno, Brian Castagno. That, that, that is the plan, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's the plan. Uh, where would that fight be then? Any thoughts on that? Probably in America. Probably in America. But look, I, I can't comment on anything at the moment. Um, I got this one, one task ahead of me, and then uh, I guess we can start talking about other things later. Mm. Are, are you surprised, Tim? Uh, I, know, I know you work very hard to be where you are right now. Are you surprised that the that this success has has come so early in your your young career? Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy, but um, I don't let that that stuff distract me. You know, I've remained the same person I I have when, since the start of my career, and um, I've only grown into this hungry young fighter. Uh, I keep growing into this hungry young fighter and um, nothing will stop me. So all the stuff in the background, it's great. Um, I love it. I love everything that goes on in the background, of course. But my main, my main thing is to just keep fighting and, and to improve as a fighter. I read yesterday that, uh, that um, in a way, his inspiration, what led him into boxing, funnily enough, was reading a comic strip. And he liked one of the characters in the comic book and decided that he might also try and fight one day. And, and he's done just that. He's a very good fighter. Your entrance into the sport, your entry into the sport was, was always, I guess, mapped out for you, wasn't it, Timmy? I mean, we know how great your dad was and, and is. 
Um, at what age? And my dad, my my brother rather, knows your dad very very well. Mark, what age did you know that you want to follow in your dad's footsteps? Were you were you almost born with boxing gloves on? Yeah, well, look, boxing has always been real part of our family. Um, even like as a young kid, we used to watch boxing fights and. We'd put on the gloves with my brother, with my with my cousin, and we'd be punching on. You know, it's, it's just <laughs> people used to play play uh, backyard soccer, backyard rugby. There's no such thing as that. It was backyard boxing. And um, from from a young kid growing up, we had broken noses, broken teeth, and uh, that was our childhood. But um, <laughs> I guess you could say that yeah, we were born with boxing in with boxing gloves in our hands. Mm. In a way, was saying too that you know all your fights have been on home soil. You haven't fought outside of your own country as yet, whereas he has done that. He's only had the one loss, but he's saying he's got so much more experience than than you. Is that all talk? Yeah, well, Jeff Horn said the same thing. Dennis Hogan said the same thing, and all I can comment on is that talk is cheap. Um, once we get in the ring, or all, all that nonsense there goes away and it's just me and him and um, my fist will do the talking. Mm. Well, mate, he's he's trying to spoil what what has and is an impeccable record that you have forged so far. You are unbeaten. Let's hope you do remain unbeaten. Let's hope you go on to uh, get that crack at Castaño uh, and Charlo as well, mate. And I appreciate you spending a bit of time uh, with us here on SEN, Timmy, from all of us here and not just this radio station, but this country. Good luck on Wednesday. Uh, thanks for the support. Awesome, mate. You go well. There he is, Timmy Zoo. Timmy Zoo. And uh, my thanks to uh, to Mark Warren, actually, from Rocked, Rocked Podcast. Rocked Podcast. You can uh, check that out. And uh, some really good news stories on there. Rocked Podcast. Just uh, drop the apostrophe. R-O-C-D. This is Sports Central. Hey, he's, um, he's very likable, isn't he? Very, very likable indeed, Timmy Zoo. Um, and well-grounded. Humble. He knows his background. He, he knows how good his dad was. And, uh, you know, he, he knows that a lot of people, well, they used to think, well, you know, uh, you cost your young bloke. Uh, you're in his shadow. But you know what? He's, he's, he's making his own shadow these days. And that shadow is getting larger by the day. And uh, if, he can, if, he can knock, if he can knock Takeshi in a way off his perch on Wednesday, well, that's one step closer, isn't it? one step closer to uh, to a crack, a world title crack. So um, good luck to him. Um, I, I was saying that in a way, this Japanese, you would have seen pictures of him probably, uh, I think it was yesterday's paper or maybe even Friday's. And he, he does look like a, a, a sort of a bodybuilder, doesn't he? So I don't know how he's going to go with uh, making the weight. I'm sure he'll be fine. But um, does he look a bit like like you, Justice, when you take your shirt off in front of the mirror, do you see a bit of um, Takeshi in a way in yourself? No, I don't have that good rig. No? I'm not that. Let's just say if I describe my body shape, I've got like a beer keg. A beer keg. That's all right. That, you're cuddling. That's all right. <laughs> or built for comfort, not for speed. Uh, but he can certainly throw him, Carney Timmy, and, and so, so quick. Lightning quick. Um, I'm just going on here. In a way. So he's uh, 17 wins, one loss. He's had 10 KOs. A high-volume fighter, um, WBO junior middleweight title holder. He, he beat in January 19. In a way, suffered the only loss of his career at the hands of, uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, Mungiai, I think it might be. Um, he's 31 years of age, is in a way. He lives in Tokyo uh, and has won his last four bouts 
after that uh, that last loss. But this clash against uh, Azu will mark Inoue's first fight in Australia and fourth outside of Japan. So that's what he's saying. He's fought outside of his home country. Uh, and, and I guess it, it is very different, isn't it, when you when you go abroad, abroad to fight? Timmy hasn't done that yet, but I tell you what, uh, let's hope that uh, soon he does that and uh, and gets a gets a crack uh, gets a crack at uh, that world title, and it'll come around hopefully uh, sooner than you know it. And son of son of former world junior welterweight champion, of course, is Kostjuzu. So we'll all be following that. Uh, there's all the more boxing news around. So later on, when is it? In um, December, we've got that double header too, haven't we? Up in in Newcastle, and Paul Gallon is is on that card and taking on. Uh, Joshua Loyer, who they say can also hold them up. Uh, and there's there's plenty of other fights up there on the next day as well. Andrew Maloney, one of them. So plenty to look forward to in the uh, world of boxing. So um, stay tuned and, and good luck again to Timmy Zhu um, on uh, on Wednesday night. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number, one three hundred. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Feel free to pick up the phone and, and have your say. You can talk about anything. Can be uh, any great Aussie Kiwi rivalry. Can be talk about the sport of of boxing. Uh, you take us down a path and we will follow. Anne's on the line. Good afternoon, Anne. Oh, good afternoon, Chris. Chris, that's a bit of a hard act to follow, Tim Zhu, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, mate. And you know what? He, he doesn't like to say a lot, but what he what he says is generally with his with his fists, which is a good thing. Yeah, he seems nice, doesn't he? Um, Chris, I'll just be quick. All I wanted to say is um, no to two referees. Um, There's enough confusion as it is out there. You only have to look at the Raiders v. the Roosters grand final, and that was just, that was terrible. Um, Last year. And also no to taking an E in sport. Like, I, I don't think politics and sport mix, and... You go to sport as an escape from all that's going on in politics, and I just players feeling they have to take a knee and not singing the national anthem, and mm. it's just stay out of it. And you know what? Uh, they're two of the most sensible comments we've heard uh, on this show today. And we were on air from twelve o'clock till now, half past two, and I agree wholeheartedly and with with both of those comments that you've said there. Thanks for thanks for calling in. No worries. Thank you. Thank Bye. You, Anne from from Balgola. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I just don't think sport and politics don't mix. Keep them separate. Keep them totally separate. And I know people use the opportunity because there's a, a captive audience of millions of, of eyeballs around the world, whether it be at a Cricket World Cup T20 or wherever, um, and they use that as, and in other sports as well, NFL, baseball, they use it as an opportunity to, to make a statement that they believe in. But as we saw with uh, the South African team, didn't we? Um, and and they, they got themselves into, well, a couple of them or got themselves into a bit of bother. But they they don't, I'm sure most of the athletes don't want to use their, um, their time in the sun, so to speak, to make a political statement. They want to go to that sporting event to be who they are, professional athletes, to represent their country as best they can. And they don't need to have all that, yeah, the political message is ringing around their heads or, or in the background. And most of them, I think, like what happened with the South African cricket team, they don't want to be told that this is what you have to do. Um, I agree wholeheartedly there with, uh, with Anne. Uh, keep sport 
and uh, and politics separate. And as for two referees, there is a thought that they might reintroduce the second referee to NRL for next season, but the second referee or the pocket referee will not have a whistle, but would more just adjudicate on the ruck and inside the 10. Uh, and again, I agree with Anne. No, no, I quite liked what I saw this year. We'll never have a perfect system. We will never be able to please everyone all of the time. But I, I quite like reverting back to the one referee. All right, time for us to talk more rugby league now. And uh, joining us uh, on the line uh, to do just that is uh, Jasper Bruce. Jasper, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. How you going? Mate, I'm good. Um, what are your thoughts, two referees? Two referees, interesting one, isn't it? I um, I think there's been a bit of criticism this year about the shortening of the 10 metres, particularly close you know, in, in the red zone, so to speak. And that's sort of frustrated uh, frustrated a few teams and pundits this season. But look, I think you're absolutely right. We're never going to get complete consistency. You know, if you have the same referee refereeing every game, maybe, but that's that's impossible. So, yeah, you know, it's a tough one. And I think the main thing is is um, well, striving towards that consistency, but kind of realizing at the same time we're never going to fully get there. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I'm talking to Jasper Bruce, by the way, um, who writes with uh, NCA Newswire. Um, James Tedesco, Jasper, we haven't mentioned that yeah. today. It's a, it's a couple of uh, days old, but he, um, I don't believe, he's still got a, a couple of days to go if he wants to contest that uh, charge. He's been fined. Um, this is all really the, the squid game. Uh, fine. We, we, we're calling it that. It's it's not. Uh, he's not been fined for, for racial vilification but more for being, uh, I guess, um, almost drunk and disorderly. Well, that's exactly right. And that's the thing that's really interesting about this $10,000 sanction is that there's no mention in the breach notice from the NRL that was issued to James on Friday of racist comments at all. Uh, He's been fined for bringing the game into disrepute and for drunken and disorderly behaviour at Bondi Beach uh, last month, which, you know, to me is interesting that they haven't, actually tackled the specific thing that he's been accused of. But like you say, he does have a few more days, five business days, which puts it, I think, in next Friday, uh, sorry, this coming Friday, mm. to respond to that $10,000 breach notice. And he'll also have to attend education programs as directed by the NRL. No word from the Roosters yet. We're still waiting on that. But it's not expected to affect whether James captains the Roosters in 2022. Mm. Yeah, and, and our listeners might be there. What, what are you talking about, Squid Game? Well, you know, you've probably watched Squid Game, have you, Jasper? I actually haven't. You you haven't know, between no. all the sport I watch uh, at work, I don't tend to watch too much Netflix. <laughs> oh, well, look, I don't think you're missing much, to be honest with you. It's got a very big following, and, and um, it's mm. quite quite violent, quite brutal. But um, I think it's uh, – is it Vietnamese? Is it maybe? Korean. Chris. Korean. Korean, sorry. South Korean. South Korean. Yeah. Do excuse me there. But, um, yeah, and I don't think that's James Tedesco's go. I don't know him all that well, but he seems to be a fine young man. I don't think um, there would be any – any hint of um, racism in his body. But and as you say, the, the charges from the NRL, uh, there is not. It's more to do with uh, bringing the game into disrepute for, for being on the drink and um, carrying on a bit like a pork chop. Uh, Queensland. Well, yeah, and Sorry, mate, go for it. I was going to say, it's just murky waters, isn't it? When it's a he said, she said, and, yeah. and his mates are there, obviously they're going to back him up. You never know. But mm. what you do know is that it's a really bad look for the game, whether if racist comments are made. It's pretty terrible, particularly when it's a leader like Tedesco, who was Dalian captain of the year. And I would have thought most people would think he's the last kind of guy that would have made this kind of comment. Yeah, yeah. As you say there, it, it is a bad look for the game if, if 
racial uh, comments were made. Queensland's women will receive equal pay in an expanded two games uh, women's origin series next season. So that has certainly obviously been well received from them. Um, and I should point out, it, it's not just a match payment. It, it's basically broken up, isn't it? Some of it is for match payment. Some of it is for missing work. And some of it is for the, the, the final sort of 17-woman uh, squad. Do we expect the New South Wales Rugby League to follow suit? Yeah, it's interesting. I've been in contact with uh, New South Wales Rugby League this week. And it'll be discussed at their monthly board meetings, the first of which is happening later this month. Uh, and then an ongoing board meetings I have one each month but interesting to note the 10 person New South Wales Rugby League board only one of those board members is a woman of course uh, fronted by Dr George Paponis rugby league legends but yeah you're absolutely right that it's uh, it's broken up into three different categories so the people that are selected I think it's a 30 person squad for this initial sort of camps in the lead up they get a $4,000 payment then $7,000 payment for the final camp so what we would consider as fans and pundits uh, the, the origin camp immediately before the players go off to before the game. And that's for 19 players selected at that. And then the 18, so 17 players plus the 18th woman, uh, get a get an extra $4,000 uh, match fee. So it's, it's mm. a total of $15,000 if you make it through that whole process. But if you're sort of one of those up-and-coming members who might not be selected on game day, but still kind of have potential and might be selected for the squad, you're still going to earn four grand, which is a pretty great earning, you would think. Mm. I uh, I heard a, I read in the paper today a mate of mine who works on a, on a rival uh, radio network. He was uh, he was highly criticised by a, a certain journalist in the Daily Telegraph today, slammed in fact for comments that that he was purport, purported to make, re saying that he he thinks the money might be um, also channelled into player development and and uh, he he made that point to me today. He's not against Queensland's Origin women receiving equal pay. But he, he was what he was saying was he'd also like to see some funding, more funding, go into uh, to grassroots, both for Queensland and and New South Wales, the women's game. Yeah, it's an interesting point, and I can definitely see both sides there. But I think as well, you've also got to ask yourself the question: when young girls and and young women are seeing athletes at the elite level being championed and celebrated, I mean that's going to have an effect on the grassroots level of the game as well, right? Mm. To be able to see that these players are remunerated exactly the same as their male counterparts. You've got to think that there's, there's benefits to the elite part of the game there that we're seeing, but also um, coming out through the grassroots to be able to say, wow, like Ali Brigginshaw is paid just as much as yeah. Ali Cherry Evans for Origin. That's pretty special. Sure, yeah. and I get that point of view, but let me just play devil's advocate as well. Um, mm. The men are getting that money because they and their game are attracting those audiences, which then attract advertising dollars, which then come back to the ARL Commission in broadcast revenue. Um, mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, the... the at, at this stage, the women's game, yes, it is getting stronger each year, um, but we've got to get – you'd like to think those those audience figures have also got to build. They're not going to build to the same level that the men's game is at, but the revenue has to come from somewhere. So, I mean, that's my only side of it. You, you, you can't just keep – you've got to balance the books and um, the men's game is, is basically the one that, that is pulling all the money in. Um, but as the women's game grows in years to come – Certainly, there is, is is an argument that that you know, all the figures will will stack up. You know, like like let's say um, Grand Slam tennis, women getting the same as men uh, in in prize money in Grand Slams, even though the men are playing five sets and the women are playing three. So therefore, the the men are actually contributing to about thirty five percent more TV time than the women purely by virtue of that. 
And that's where the revenue argument sort of comes in. I mean, we might just throw this one open to our, our listeners as well. And please, it's not me being sexist. I have not got a problem at all with men and women, women in sport being paid equal, so long as it all adds up. And so the, uh, the bean counters can say, well, yeah, that all stacks up nicely. Parramatta, I'm talking to Jasper Bruce, uh, by the way, from Newswire. If you've just tuned in, this is Sports Central. Parramatta players, they uh, probably more than any other club, the most number of players coming off contract after next season. Melbourne too, a lot of players off. Um, Reid Marnie, Junior Paulo, Clint Gutherson, etc. They have retained Campbell Gillard, Regan Campbell Gillard this, this week, and I, I suspect they're hoping there might be a bit of a, a domino effect. I think they'd be hoping that for sure. And it's interesting to follow this. And this is why, just to, you just mentioned the Storm, this is why the Storm is so remarkable, is that throughout their golden era under Craig Bellamy, they've been able to have success and retain players. And this is kind of the problem that a lot of clubs run into. And I expect the Panthers will be a club that runs into this in the coming years as well, is that there's a price for success, is that playing on a great team and finding your, your form in that great team makes you really attractive to rival clubs. And I think the Eagles are going to find that. And certainly... Clint Gutherson, Reid Marnie, who, to be honest, I know Reid Marnie is getting a lot of praise now, but I think he's been one of the most underrated hookers in the league for, for a long while now. And um, he's been linked to the Dolphins. He's a Queenslander from Nambour, so you know, maybe he goes up there. It was really interesting uh, to see that Regan Campbell-Gillard signing with the club after quite a lot of speculation that he would uh, not remain at the Eels and not take his player option up there. Mm. And his re-signing came on the same day. I'm not sure if you saw it. There was a statement that the Eels put out uh, slamming media speculation around around uh, signings and player transfers, calling it disrespectful, which, mm. you know, I know that the media can be a bit of a pain sometimes, but this is the theatre of the game, you know. People want to hear and fans want to hear about the speculation around player contracts. So yeah. you're absolutely right. I think the Eagles have a fight on their hands to keep some of those big marquee players. Yeah, and, and well, that's our job, isn't it? We, we are here. We can, have a, <laughs> we can have opinion as well, we, but we are also a mouthpiece uh, for for our audience and Parramatta fans, if you're listening, um, don't be afraid to send me a text 0457 736 736. Which of the players off contract do you most want to keep? And who would you be prepared to to let go? With Reed Marnie, I, I guess um, probably helps if you've got a nice Chinese restaurant too in your, in your leagues club. That might help. And, and the Redcliffe or the Dolphins, I think they, they, they might just actually meet that. They might qualify on that criteria. Bit of cricket, Jasper. Because uh, you love your mm. cricket, Devin Conway out with the broken hand. He hit his own bat. Um, <laughs> uh, how much of a blow is that for them, realistically? Well, it's interesting. Aaron Finch spoke to this point yesterday in his press conference ahead of the final, and he kind of said essentially, while Devin is a huge loss, we know that he's a he's a he's a winner of a player. You know, you just have to look at that last performance. Ironically, he punched his bat out of frustration, having got out m- making a crucial forty-six runs. So, you know, it, it's. It's disappointing for him, of course, but it's going to be a big loss on on the one hand. But also, New Zealand's squad depth is, is really is pretty remarkable. And Aaron Finch spoke to that point yesterday. Tim Seifert will likely come in uh, to to keep the wicket as he did against Pakistan in the Super 12 stage. But you know, I think it's it's a sure it's a loss, but I don't think it's an insurmountable loss for the for the Kiwis heading into the final. Yeah, they got they got plenty of depth. More good news for Paddy Mills uh, turning to basketball. He's been named uh, ACT's Australian of the Year. Yeah, fantastic news. Just after Dylan Orquitt was given the same same honour for Victoria, he's you know he's a, I think a worthy recipient. And I know people can kind of turn their nose up of oh, why is a sports person being being awarded this? Shouldn't it be someone who does work in the community? But Paddy Mills actually does both. You know, in 2020, he donated one and a half million dollars to racial justice charities. He's the founder of the Team Mills Foundation, which 
It's working to, it does a whole bunch of different charitable initiatives. It supplies clean drinking water to Indigenous communities in really remote parts of Australia. It assists in fire recovery programs. Mm. So, you know, he's a, he's a fantastic athlete, but he's also doing great work off the, off the court as well. And I think that's, you know, both have been recognised in this honour, which I think is fantastic. No, mate, he's a class act. He is a top-shelf yeah. character, and he clum- comes from a you know, difficult upbringing as well, Paddy Mills, and, and he, he really is um, a great Australian success story. Jasper, thanks for joining us, mate. Please uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday afternoon. You too, mate. See ya. There is Jasper Bruce from uh, Newswire, and uh, good fella, and thanks for him for, for jumping on the line as well. If you want to have a chat... Um, as uh, I won't buy it, okay? I promise I won't buy it. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. We can talk again about great Queensland, um, not Queensland, uh, New Zealand and Australian rivalries. Some of the characters over the years that you've, uh, you know, Kiwis that you've hated. Hate's a strong word. I don't like using that word. You haven't liked too much, okay? You haven't been endeared to. Um, others that you have loved and, and respected. Um, one for me, right, St- Stacey Jones, right? He, for me is the best Kiwi I have have seen over a long, long time. People talk about you know, Benji Marshall, etc. different different style. Stacey has been there for, for so, so long, or was there rather, and um, a fine, fine character. You might have your own favourites from across the ditch. Um, and uh, tonight, though, at 1am, there'll be, there'll be no friendship, uh, but nothing but rivalry. Uh, I've got a lot of Kiwi. I'm not a lot of Kiwi. I haven't got a lot of mates. I haven't got many mates, actually. That's a shame, isn't it? Yeah, it is true. But actually, I do know a few Kiwi mates of mine, and um, yeah, they're actually looking forward to this T20 World Cup final. I bet they are. It's no, just... They're probably crying today, though, if they're rugby fans. Oh, yeah, they're nine-point lost against Ireland. Well, yeah, yeah. I was just about to say, it, when I looked at All Blacks' result, it's sort of they're losing their aura. Mm, if I you think know they might saying. be. No, I think they might be. I think they might be. The aura might be coming off the All Blacks. And what if they get beaten tonight? So the All Blacks have lost, and then the Black Caps have lost, all in like 24-hour period-ish. Oh, dear. Day of mourning in New Zealand, it might be. Day of mourning. Um, the text line, 0457 736 736. I was talking earlier um, about St. George Illawarra and their, their current crop of 30, uh, 30 squad members for the upcoming season and uh, this sort of um, investigation, if that's the right word, from the Daily Telegraph, or exposés. Expose is what I was looking for. This special investigation. It says a pathway, a pathway to nowhere. That none of the thirty-man squad uh, from the the St George uh, side of the marriage, in terms of uh, junior development, Jason Nightingale and uh, Mark Gaznier, they were the only St George bred local juniors uh, in the grand final in twenty ten. Um, so I didn't know the top of my head. I read that in the article, so don't. Think, gee, this guy knows his stuff. I, I read that. But um, currently there are none. Mark from Mortdale has uh, dropped me a line. He says, G'day, Chris. Uh, Jacob Host and Harme Sele. Uh, a couple of St. George Juniors playing good football for South Sydney. Well, that's right. Um, even the South's coach, Jason Demetrio, is born and bred in the St. George area. Well, there you go. He is too. Jason Demetrius. He's a good fella too, Jason. I heard him on um, talking to Katie Brown. Well, I think it was on Friday. It must have been on Friday. Really good fella. I know him pretty well, actually, but not from here, uh, over in the UK. So he never played NRL. I'm sure he's never played NRL, but he played. He was over there pretty much for the decade or more that I was over in the UK. And he was playing with uh, Wakefield. Wakefield Trinity Wildcats, Jason. Um he was captain there. I think he even coached them as well. 
sure he may have done that. Turned his um, playing career into a coaching career. Anyway, feel free to join the conversation. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Maybe give us a call after this short break. Yes, indeed it is. Coming up to 20 minutes past 2 o'clock. We're here until uh, 4 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, so great to have your company. All those uh, people sending text messages uh, through, please keep sending them through. There have been a number coming through also, um, which I haven't got to read out as yet, uh, supporting the great Tim Zhu ahead of his big fight against uh, Takeshi Inoue uh, on Wednesday night. And I'm pleased to say that Tim Zhu has been kind enough to take a bit of time out of his preparation. He's on the line. Good afternoon, Tim. Uh, I think we've lost Timmy there. You there, Timmy? No, we seem to have lost him. You hold on there, mate. We'll try and we'll try and patch you through to the studio if we can. We've had a couple of problems with that uh, with that phone line today, but it's a big, big event. Uh, event. So he is the junior middleweight contender, Timmy Zhu. He's ranked number six by Ring Magazine, and he will face well the once beaten Takeshi Inoue uh, next Wednesday at Kudos Bank Arena. You there, Timmy? Yep. Yep. Oh, thanks, mate. I thought we, we'd lost you. Where have you been? A bit of a build-up event out there with a bit of music as well at Bondi. Yeah, we just we just finished up with um with like the open session. Uh, it was a great turnout. Plenty of plenty of people came along. Um, people were psyched about this fight, which you know it's mm. great to to have this fight in Sydney. Well, mate, I think you'd probably agree, you know. And are you surprised about by the amount of support that you have started to build? They, you've got a huge following now in this country and around the world as well. Um, I guess that's what happens. Where we love a winner, and uh, so far, mate, you have have not been beaten. And we all know that you, you are a supreme athlete who who works very very hard. You must you must appreciate the support you've been given. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, you know. Everywhere you go now, everyone's uh, slowly recognising you, and mm. um, I'm just a normal guy, you know. I'm just a normal guy who's just got big dreams and um, a big work ethic, and you know, it's 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 great to be uh, um, have that recognition from fans and to have everyone support. It's it's, it's mm. honestly. Mate, and rallied around you too, a good support team as well. And, and No Limit Boxing, let's give them a plug too. Georgie and Maddie Rose, I think they're doing really well, aren't they, for, for you and for uh, other members in their in their stable. You've said today, mate, that, uh, well, I don't know what you said today, but you, you reckon you're going to stop this bloke, this Japanese fighter, uh, inside six rounds. Is that the plan? Yeah, that, that's the plan. But, you know, with boxing, you never know. Um, you just got to be smart and... Not rushing to things, so um, we'll see. What, we'll see what happens. You know, that's that's what I predicted, but uh, it could change. Um, just got to play the game, I guess. He looks to be in very good shape. This bloke, in a way, um, Takeshi, and I know he can fight. He's only had the one loss. You, you're yet to lose, and let's hope that that record continues. He looks to be very strong. Uh, could that possibly be his undoing? Yeah, look, I, I couldn't care less about about Takeshi. You know, he's yeah, he's, he's got all that. But uh, when you're coming up with a style like mine, walk forward. Um, it only ends in one thing. Mm. What do you see as as his weakness, if any? His advantage is his weakness. So what he thinks is going to work is not going to work. So that's the biggest problem. <laughs> Are you prepared for it to go the distance if that happens? You got plans B, C, yeah. and D. I've done over 200 rounds in this camp, you know, so this is the most I've ever done, most amount of rounds. I'm truly super fit. So if, if it goes, if it has to go 12 rounds, I'll be there. I'll be there. But 
uh, I don't plan to. This is this is boxing, and, and, and yeah. as we said, as I said before, we don't get paid overtime. Mm. What is the last few days look like for you leading into this fight? I, I know you've had a meal there today. How are you going for weight? What's the next few days entail? Yeah, everything's all right. Um, I'm getting bigger. You know, that's, that's all part of growing up now these days. Yeah. Um, so my shoulders, everything's everything's thickening up. So, yeah, weight's it's, it's a battle on its own, but I, I'm always, always able to do it properly. Um, next few days, we've got all the press and press conferences, the, the weigh-ins, and then, it, and then it's go time. This fight, Timmy, uh, potentially, I guess it opens the door, doesn't it, to a, to a mandatory world title challenge with um, Castagno, Brian Castagno. That, that, that is the plan, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's the plan. And where would that fight be then? Any thoughts on that? Probably in America, probably in America. But look, I, I can't comment on anything at the moment. Um, I got this one, one task ahead of me, and then uh, I guess we can start talking about other things later. Mm. Are, are you surprised, Tim? Uh, I, know, I know you work very hard to be where you are right now. Are you surprised that the that this success has has come so early in your your young career? Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy, but um, I don't let that that stuff distract me. You know, I've remained the same person I I have when, since the start of my career, and um, I've only grown into this hungry young fighter. Uh, I keep growing into this hungry young fighter and um, nothing will stop me. So all the stuff in the background, it's great. Um, I love it. I love everything that goes on in the background, of course, but my main, my main thing is to just keep fighting and, and to improve as a fighter. I read yesterday that, uh, that um, in a way, his inspiration, what led him into boxing funnily enough, was reading a comic strip and he liked one of the characters in the comic book and decided that he might also try and fight one day and, and he's done just that. He's a very good fighter. Your entrance into the sport, your entry into the sport was was always, I guess, mapped out for you, wasn't it, Timmy? I mean, we know how great your dad was and, and is. Um, at what age, and my dad, my, my brother rather, knows your dad very, very well, Mark. What age did you know that, you want to follow in your dad's footsteps. Were you were you almost born with boxing gloves on? Yeah, well, look, boxing has always been real a part of our family. Um, even back as a young kid, we used to watch boxing fights, and we'd put on the gloves with my brother, with my with my cousin, and we'd be punching on. You know, it's, it's just <laughs> people used to play play uh, backyard soccer, backyard rugby. There's no such thing as that. It was backyard boxing, and um, from from a young kid growing up. We had broken noses, broken teeth, and uh, that was our childhood. So um, <laughs> I guess you could say that, yeah, we were born with boxing in with boxing gloves in our hands. Mm. Uh, in a way, was saying, too, that you know, all your fights have been on home soil. You haven't fought outside of your own country as yet, whereas he has done that. He's only had the one loss, but he's saying he's got so much more experience than, than you. Is that all talk? Yeah, well, Jeff Horn said the same thing. Dennis Hogan said the same thing. And all I can comment on is that talk is cheap. Um, once we get in the ring, all, all that nonsense there goes away and it's just me and him and um, my fist will do the talking. Mm. 
Well, mate, he's he's trying to spoil what what has and is an impeccable record that you have forged so far. You are unbeaten. Let's hope you do remain unbeaten. Let's hope you go on to uh, get that crack at Castaño uh, and Charlo as well, mate. And I appreciate you spending a bit of time uh, with us here on SEN, Timmy, from all of us here and not just this radio station, but this country. Good luck on Wednesday. Uh, thanks for the support. Awesome, mate. You go well. There he is, Timmy Zhu. Timmy Zhu. And uh, but thanks to uh, to Mark Warren, actually, from Rocked, Rocked Podcast. Rocked Podcast. You can uh, check that out. And uh, some really good news stories on there. Rocked Podcast. Just uh, drop the apostrophe. R-O-C-D. This is Sports Central. Coming up to three o'clock. Uh, great to have your company. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday afternoon. Um, I guess I could look on my uh, my phone, my weather app. I don't even know what the weather's like. I can see through the studio and out that uh, that little window over there. It looks still to be uh, the sun is shining. I think it was lovely this morning. Uh, lovely down the beach this morning. It was a bit of an offshore breeze too. So it's nice when the when the ocean's nice and flat. That's not not yet beautiful. Lovely. Um, I don't need to be talking about that anyway. Great to have your company. Uh, if you want to pick up the phone, uh, Justice of the Peace is still with me. Um, good afternoon again to you, JP. Are you enjoying first shift? No, I certainly am, Chris. You know, no, there was some bits of coolness under pressure there, but I um, feel like I'm holding the fort just all right. So JP, right? JP has just lobbed into the uh, into the joint. Well, he's been here a couple of times, but this is his first go on the panel. So on a Wednesday night, or normally Mad Russian's in charge of that, but on a Wednesday or a Monday night, I generally do the panelling and, and chat away. But I tell you what, it is quite intimidating. It is daunting. It is scary. And if you haven't been in a radio studio before, like you know, the modern ones, it is like being in the cockpit of a, uh, of a jumbo jet. You know, there's so many flashing lights. And if you hit the wrong button, it all could come a cropper. And exactly three o'clock. Uh, again, I hope you're enjoying your afternoon. And, and thanks to all of those uh, of you who have uh, contributed to the show, whether on the open line or via text. And a general welcome out there to anyone listening, wherever you might be tuning into uh, this Sports Central program. Up there on the Gold Coast too, welcome to you guys uh, through SEN 1620 and to any of you listening through the SEN app. I was saying earlier that, uh, you know, the expose in the Telegraph about the Dragons and uh, lack of the St George Illawarra Dragons and the lack of any Dragons pathway players in the current 30-man squad. Um it's a bit of a worry, isn't it? A bit of a worry indeed. Um, I don't think you'd be able to say that about any of the other NRL clubs. I think every club basically has got a, well, a fairly sizable contingent of locally um, developed players. And you only need to look at the, uh, the current premiers, Penrith. And they are a shining example of how a really, really strong pathways program, which has been, you know, um, in the pipeline for more than five years, let's even call it ten years, and let's even go back to the the Gus Gould who gets a you know a, um, a lot of flack or has done over the years, and in, in from certain people, oh, Gus Gould's you know the five year plan. Well, you know what it it does it does take that that time that time to um, from the seed to to grow the fruit, and now look at Penrith. More than half of their team, a lot more than half of their team, are all local homegrown products. And I just went through those numbers before um, from the Daily Telegraph in terms of um, local juniors. So here you go. Junior league numbers in the St. George district are 1,675 last year, which is their highest in six seasons. So that's good. But those numbers are well down the likes of Balmain, 2,053. Manly, 2,461. 
I wish Parramatta was in here, but it's not. Uh, and Penrith, 8,769. Hello. Gets a bit easier to identify, doesn't it? Well, actually, well, no, probably doesn't get easier, but you've got a, a larger sum, a larger pool to draw from. And uh, it's a case of numbers. You're going to get more, you know, the more you mine, you, you maybe going to get more mm-hmm. flecks of gold. And um, that's the case with them. But we had a, a, a one of our listeners text in here, yeah, Mark from Mortdale, saying that Jacob Host and Hame Sele are a couple of St. George Juniors uh, playing good football for South Sydney. And that's right. Um, so South Sydney will feature more St. George Juniors in their squad with Sele and, and Host, and also um, Josh Mansour, who's a Kingsgrove Colts junior. So there you go. There you go. Um, anyway, you might have your thoughts on that. Um, how will St. George go this year? Will they improve on last year? Um, let us know what you think. Other news around around the grounds we go, and there's a fair bit about, which I haven't had a chance to uh, to touch on as yet because it's been a been a good show actually a jam-packed show enjoyed chatting to grant elliott the new zealand cricketer former cricketer before also a nice chat with uh with timmy zoo you know and 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 he's not one just to go off at the mouth like some boxers tend to do he uh is very humble and you know and you can tell with when you're interviewing someone you don't want to just keep throwing bombarding them with questions when you can sort of tell that he he's not he doesn't want to you know sprout off but he mm. said enough he said enough, I think, in that short interview uh, to make us all realise that he's uh, he's ready, isn't he? Well, the just that last comment, when you threw at him about what Inouye said about his international experience, he mm. said, mate, Jeff Horn said the same thing. Yeah. Dennis Hogan said the same thing. Where yeah. are they now? And I, I asked him the question, too, if he was to take, if the world title fight against Castaño, where would it be in, in mm. the US? But... Are you reading between the lines also that there may be a chance it might go to Russia where I think his dad's... That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Well, so Kostya's eastern Russia as well. So he's Siberia, I think, is where he grew up. Well, that's cold. Part of Siberia he grew up in. That's cold, I don't know if they'd it? get a fight out all the way out there, but taking it back to Russia would be wow. very, very interesting. So you know you know your geography well. So how, how close is that part of Russia to Siberia? They border. I'm not 100% sure. But, well, no, Siberia is part of Russia now. Oh, so there you go. There I just made go. a fool of myself. <laughs> so Siberia is part of Russia. I didn't know that. Yes. Did everyone know that? No, I Did didn't. everyone in this room know that? No, I didn't. No? Thank you. So the majority of people, <laughs> the majority of these people in this room, 66% of the audience or the people in this room did not know that Siberia is part of Russia. Yes. How do you know that? Oh, because you're from Russia. Well, that's, yeah. that's the only reason you know, know that. that. What about our listeners? Did you know that Siberia <laughs> was part of Russia? Because I'm feeling a bit stupid here. Yeah. Send me a text. Did you know Siberia was part of Russia? Be honest with me, because I didn't. Okay, Justice of the Peace didn't. And Molchanov, yes, can you spell that surname? Molchanovsky, he did, because why? You're from Russia. Mm. Yes, okay. exactly. Oh, just because I know my geography. Anyway, let me go through some... <laughs> excuse me. I was ducks of geography Is in that... 1988. At Paramount Amaris Brothers, you can go back through the archives. It had been in the records. Ducks of geography. Mm. But it wasn't about places and countries. Oh, I was about to say. It wouldn't be. About landforms and physical oh, geography. Oh, yeah. You understand all you that? You know the landforms and physical yeah, geography of ducks. Siberia? No. <laughs> but I do know. Where's Mongolia? So Mongolia is a bit further south. It's, mm. um, still I do cold, know. East of 
east of oh, southeast of China. I do know at this time of the year, although they haven't Mongolia. done it this year, that there is a bird that flies all the way from Siberia or Mongolia and generally drops dead on the northern beaches, <laughs> on the sands. <laughs> have you not seen them? No. You have. Okay, this is one out to my listeners again. What is the name of this bird? And pretty much every year they migrate and they try and fly from Siberia maybe to the other end of the world and they generally, a lot of them, drop off the beaches of northern beaches and wash up onto the sand. And you think I'm – this is an educational program. (laughs) You two are laughing at me. I'm telling you the truth. How long have you been on air this weekend? A while? Yeah. I can't tell. I'm asking the listeners, come on, help me out here. Please help me out here. What's the name of the bird? I'll Google it in, in this break. You're listening to Sports Central 6 Past 3. Yes, it is. And if you are, have just tuned into the program uh, a little bit earlier on, we were, were talking to Tim Zhu. He took time out of his day and his preparations uh, ahead of his fight against Takeshi Inoue, which will be on uh, Wednesday night, to, to have a chat with us. And it sparked a, a few texts and calls as well. Um, mums and dads just sort of saying, you know, what a, what a lovely fella he is, down to earth and grounded and um, uh, a good fella. Yeah, he's not talking it off. His actions do the, do the talking. So, again, thanks to... Uh, no Limit Boxing, and also to Tim Zhu for taking some uh, some time out. We were then talking, okay, so this fight will enable him, springboard him into um, a possible world title fight against uh, Castaño. And, and Tim was saying, you know, it's, it's a good chance it'll be in America. But then um, I have heard others suggesting that wouldn't it be nice if it was in Russia where his dad Kostya uh, is. And uh, we started then talking geography, and I was saying um, we spoke about Siberia, and then the mad Russian, who clearly by his own name, uh, you would understand he's from Russia or his parents are, he said that Siberia is part of Russia. Well, I didn't know that, right? And when I don't know something, I, I put my hand up. So then I told these boys here and the Justice of the Peace, you're in on this conversation as well, that a few years ago there were these birds that were dropping dead out of the sky and landing on the northern beaches. And you'd walk down there and they were like, You'd, have, you'd be very difficult not to step on one. There were hundreds of these dead birds, and I believe they'd come from Siberia or Mongolia and um, migrating but landing off the waters of, of Sydney's east coast, of the east coast and washing up onto our sands, and to which these two just laughed at me, right? They laughed at me saying, Chris, how long have you been on air this weekend? But I just wanted to draw your attention uh, to this story I've just found. Beachgoers in Sydney have reported hundreds of dead birds washing up on some of the city's most famous shores. Are you listening, Justice? The dead shearwaters, as they're known, these birds have been sighted in Bondi, Collaroy and Cronulla, sparking concern over an unusually high number of bird deaths. The birds are making their annual 4,000-kilometre trip to Alaska, to southern Australia, and is comment uh, from Alaska, rather, and from Siberia and Mongolia uh, to southern Australia, and it is common for some to die of exhaustion. During the journey. Well, not bloody surprised. Could you imagine, Mad, uh, Mad, where's Mad Rushing? Or could you imagine, Justice, keeping your wings up for 14,000 K? No, no, I think I would probably lose my wings probably after flying a kilometre or two, probably, Chris, if I was trying to do that. Yeah. That's It'd remarkable. be a long flight, wouldn't it? I mean, a plane couldn't do it. It would run out of petrol. These poor birds, 14,000 Ks, and no wonder they drop out of the sky of, of bloody exhaustion. He explained, this scientist, he explained that with the rising sea temperatures, it would become harder for the, the birds to feed during their flight as the fish they usually ate 
would not venture into the shallows. So they'd go down into the deeper waters and see you later. That's it. You're wrapping it up. You know why you're wrapping me up on this? Put your hand up and admit when you're wrong. You were laughing at me. No, I wasn't laughing at you. I want you to move on and talk about some, some fifth test and some why? cricket balls. No one wants to talk sport. <laughs> Let's talk about yeah. dead birds. Okay, sport. Okay, you go off, off he goes there. Look, see you later. Off he goes again. Can't handle it when he's been proven wrong. I saw, I read a story yesterday and I was asking our listeners, um, what do you think about this one too, Justice? So this fifth test, uh, Ashes test against England, scheduled for the Wacker, right? If it goes ahead. Now, they are desperate for it to go ahead. Uh, WA, uh, the government, Wacker, the whole cricket association. But they say that they are going to able enable the England team and the Australian team to quarantine for five days. So they can all go and they can train and they can play in that five-day window. However, the strict rule is that there must be absolutely no contact between the players and the community or all the fans. So there is this preposterous proposal. Say that five times. Don't uh, be a tongue, twi- uh, tongue twister. Australians <laughs> say that five times. As they say, seashells, a preposterous by proposal, the yes, by the seashells next to the dead birds from Siberia. A preposterous proposal that... Any six that is hit by a, a player, the ball is gone for good. Does not come back into the match. So we have to replace the ball. And you know in, in test cricket where a ball is replaced for whatever reason, a suitable ball of similar condition and age has to be selected from the box and the, they bring it out like a box of chocolates, mm-hmm. isn't it? What was that movie? can't remember. Chris, probably Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Like a that. box of balls, but a box of balls. <laughs> so, But can you imagine? Mm. So... And so I did a bit of research, strangely enough, and those listening yesterday will understand this. I uh, The last uh, last Ashes test played, would have been at the Wacker, a few years ago. There were only four sixes hit in the whole match. Oh, yes. So you don't have yep. to replace four balls, which is, which is doable. But then we played England a few years before that, and there were 19 sixes hit in the match. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to replace the ball 19 times by this preposterous... Proposal, mm-hmm. yeah, it can't happen, can it? No, I was just, I was just to say, if you're a bowling side, imagine that ball starting to swing, you know, reverse swing into the batsman, and, and you replace and, it, and the ball smack for six. We can't get replace the ball back. Got to replace it. Oh, but I came up with some ideas, and and Gibbo, who was in your chair yesterday, he said, well, why don't we just erect a a big circular mesh right around the whole of Perth Stadium? Like you see sometimes at some golf courses, mm-hmm. which are adjacent to highways. Mm-hmm. You with me? Yep, I see. And I thought that's a good idea. But that'd take some time, wouldn't it? And yep. that'd be quite costly. Costly, yes. Yes. Because like, I would say that mesh also you see in baseball on the foul ball lines as well. Too. Yes, that that sort of stuff. Yep. He might be onto something, Giver. I had this idea, and I think this could add to the TV product. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's five-day test, if they last that long, can get a little bit stale in periods. But what about this? So you hit a six and we have a drone, right? Oh, and yeah. the, the crowd, mm-hmm. they know they're not allowed to take the classic catches. So they, they understand that. That's a rule of their admission fee. And should they touch the ball, they're, they're carted out by the security guard. Oh, yes. So they know they can't touch the ball. But we've got a drone. Now picture the drone like, a, and it's got big sort of talons like an eagle. Mm-hmm. It flies into the crowd where the ball lands. Scoot, yeah, you're with me. Scoops up the kookaburra. Mm-hmm. Oh, bird on bird. Drone on bird. Yep. Kookaburra. Mm-hmm. And brings it back. Mm-hmm. Drops it down to the umpire who's got his gloves on. He's the only person. Oh, the players can touch the ball, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
and he gives it a little little spray, a little wipe, a bit of dead dog. Mm-hmm. Away we go. Yep, I can see I that. I think it could have TV, you know? Yep, TV. Appeal. Pro- yes. Well, I was just about to say the Australian cricket team is sponsored by Dead Oil as well too, Chris. So They're not? Yeah, they are. After Sandpaper Gate? I think so, yeah. Oh. Really? Yes. They, they've got the Dead Oil thing. Who on. would know that? They are sponsored by Dead Oil. I think they are. They were and probably still are sponsored by VB too. I'd rather put that in your mouth than dead hole. <laughs> I still remember, you're talking about VB, I still remember Dougie Poncher kissing that VB logo on his shoulder. Dougie the ruggy, yeah. Or oh, kissing the crest. Good fella, good fella. Well, nothing wrong with that, it's beautiful. Uh, yes, well, what time is it? It's quarter past three, almost 20 past three. It's probably beer o'clock somewhere in the world. <laughs> Actually, on a Sunday, it's probably beer o'clock in a lot of uh, places in the world. Anyway, you might have some thoughts about that. I, I just don't think it will work, um, other than my uh, drone idea, picking up the ball and bringing it in. Uh, we're talking about one referee or two as well. What are your thoughts on that? There is another, some might say, preposterous proposal. Can you try that one? Preposterous proposal. Yeah, preposterous with a with an R in it. Preposterous proposal. Preposterous proposal. Yes. Preposterous proposal. To play, bring back a second referee. Uh, and, and this may not be as preposterous as it sounds because <laughs> um, a lot of, quite a few clubs are pushing the idea. But the second referee will not have a whistle. Just be the pocket referee. Uh, I don't like it. I quite liked this year. I quite like this year um, just with the the one referee. Uh, Paramat's been back on the line. Referee without a whistle? We call them touch judges. Yeah, okay. Let the on-field referee refer to the bunker when they need it, not having the bunker jump in at every occasion and disrupt the flow of play. I, I sort of agree. I too, I think that the bunker should stay out. But there are times if there are... I was going to say, uh, what can I say? Quite obvious errors being made. Get the bunker involved. Get the bunker involved. But um, anyway, you might have thoughts on that as well. Mark from Prairiewood has been in touch again. Imagine Adam Gilchrist, 2006 century, if they changed the ball. Yes, after every six, they would have run out of balls. Exactly. That's my point, Mark. And also, what year was it? Uh, 2006 third test when... He- I think Michael Clark was been on the other side and he got a hundred just mate from 55 or 56 deliveries. In boom, boom, boom. Just belting him everywhere. Yes. So you've got a very good memory. Oh, thank you, Chris. Haven't you? No, I was just saying. So, um, uh, uh, Julian King would know that as well. Cause he's like just a, a sponge for cricket information. And still to this day, it's probably, in fact, the- I think those at Crick info, I think they ring Jay King. I will say that's probably one of the cleanest hittings of a cricket ball that I've seen from Adam Gilchrist in that innings. In and imagine if this preposterous proposal was introduced, they would have to replace those balls. Also, so you probably need more drones as well too, the way that Gilly was smacking sixes during that day. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, well, no, you can only have one drone. One drone. And this picture, this drone gets sponsored, mate. This drone is going to become famous. It's going to become more famous than Robocop, this drone. It's going to have a – it's going to be Eagle Cam, all those – you know, this drone with – with the right advertising, uh, it, it can be special. And I hope, um, who have got the uh, broadcast rights? Fox and Seven. Seven. I hope they're listening. And I'd like a little spotter's fee. <laughs> I'll help design the drone, operate the drone. Um, there we go. Uh, but Shane um, Watson hit five sixes in his, in that last one I was talking about, 2014. Yeah, I think it was, twenty at, at the Waker. Mm-hmm. When they were 19 sixes hit. So you get my point. Anyway, let me get back to some more. We do digress, and I I apologise. No, I don't apologise at all because I told you it's not all about sport, this show. 
We talk a lot of rubbish. Um, now, a bit of soccer news about Football Australia looks to share the love after the Sydney-based return for the Socceroos and the Matildas. So New South Wales' uh, COVID monopoly on home games for the Socceroos and Matildas may not last much long- longer if Football Australia has its way. Uh, the game's governing body acknowledges that it was uh, the Berejiklian and then the Perite governments that were the first to move to allow the national teams to play crucial matches in Sydney earlier this year. So the Socceroos have just had their nil-all draw during the week, haven't they, with Saudi Arabia? And uh, our girls played two tests, didn't they, against Brazil? Brazil at uh, Combank. Lost one, draw one, lost one, They one, won one. one, they drew one. Won one, drew one. Uh, but the fact is that they're all in Sydney. But with the economy opening up, this article goes on to say, um, and vaccination levels steadily rising throughout the country, FA officials believe the other states and cities might be more open to hosting games. James Johnson, the game's CEO, and its corporate marketing and communications chief executive, Peter Philippoulos. Is that how you say it? Uh, sorry, Philippoulos. Yeah, that sounds like it. Just say it with confidence and mm-hmm. conviction, and I don't know if it's not other than him. Um, they've been in regular contact with Victorian sports minister uh, Martin Paluka. No, Pakula. 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 What is a palooka? <laughs> Got no idea, Chris. It's derogatory anyway, because I've is, been yeah. called a palooka. Yep. Jay King would know that. He'd know what a palooka is. He knows everything. I thought the mad Russian was clever. Jay, Julian King, who's following me, by the way. So we've built this huge audience. You Just see that rating in. spot? We've got the, look up on the wall on that monitor there. Yeah. That is the real, up there, that's the real rating spike. So I can tell you how many listeners we have right now to the to the hour. And we've grown these listeners, and we're going to hand over to Julian King. He's going to be with you from four till seven, and and he'll hopefully talk more sense and less rubbish than than we have been. And I'm including you in that. That's fair. I'm, I can cop that. Thank you. So um, you may well see other states uh, pushing for uh, future games um, for Socceroos and, and Matildas. There you go. Um, are we going to go in and listen to um, the interview I did yesterday with uh, with Simon Hill before we, we hit play on that? I, uh, and I, I will say, and I said it to Simon too, I, I didn't want to put his nose out of joint. And as you guys and girls listening will know that soccer is not my sport. I enjoy it, watching it from time to time. Um, but I, and you will hear it in this interview here, I, I found one of the things that I didn't really, I enjoyed watching the match on Thursday night. I really did. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't like seeing all the diving from the from the Saudi Arabian players. I had um, I raised that with Simon and, and a whole lot more. Well, the Socceroos in Saudi Arabia on Thursday night, nil all draw. I, I don't think you could call it a bore draw. I, look, I'll, I put my hand up. I'm not a rusted on football or soccer fan. I do enjoy it. I, I always watch the Matildas and the Socceroos. Um, but even though there were no goals, I found it to be quite an entertaining game for various reasons. And the bloke calling all the action on Channel 10, well, he's as good as they get, Simon Hill, and he does a lot of good work for us here at SEN as well. And he joins us on the show today. Good afternoon, Simon. How are you, Chris? Mate, I'm well. I'm well. Um, well done, by the way. On the other night, I thought it was um, a really good um, broadcast from from you guys and, and you leading the show there. Uh, the game itself, no no goals scored, but um, I, I enjoyed it in the main. Yeah. Look, I enjoyed it too. I thought it was uh, a sort of contest that we don't often get in the Asian Confederation, largely because of uh, conditions, you know, it's normally hard pitches, hot temperatures, uh, 
Mm. Um, but on on Thursday night, you know, it was pouring with rain. It was chilly, a slick surface, good pitch. Um, two teams, you know, really went for it. And it was like a blood and thunder cup tie. Mm. Uh, and I, I enjoyed it because of that intensity. It's a pity we didn't get any goals. Um, although in the end, Graham Arnold might be a little bit relieved that we didn't. Mm. Uh, because the Saudis, you know, came home with a wet sail. And I, I've sort of tried to explain this, uh, you know, a little bit to people in the, in the intervening days. I think people were a bit confused as to why Australia sort of tired towards the end. But, mm. you know, it, there's good reasons for it. Uh, and the fact is, is that even though we were at home, in inverted commas, our players lives to play in Europe, and they had more difficult and arduous journeys uh, mm. to get to Australia than the Saudis did. Uh, you know, they all arrived on a private jet uh, five or six days prior to the game. And, you know, so they were over their jet lag. Uh, they had time to prepare. Everything's done for them because, of course, they've got money and, and we don't. Mm. Uh, and I can tell you that it's ahead of the second uh, qualifier in this window against China in a few days' time. It's a similar story for the Socceroos. They, you know, they're flying on commercial jets. Uh, and because of the paucity of flights at the moment due to the pandemic... Uh, they go in in batches rather than, you know, all together. It, it's, it's really difficult. Um, they're used to it, the Socceroos, because they've done it for years. Um, but it's got to take a toll on your body at some point. And I think that's what we saw those last 15, 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, they certainly finished with a flurry, didn't they, uh, the Saudis? I, I didn't think about that and the, the travel demands on, on our guys playing in Europe. Mate, uh, when the Socceroos are playing, all the Matildas, you, you often have sort of, uh, I don't know, call us fringe supporters like myself. You know, I, I like soccer, but I don't, I don't really watch the A-League um, intently. I watch a bit of Premier League. But I, I know that um, diving and simulating is sort of part of the game. But for the sort of the fringe supporters, if you like, like me, I mean, I thought it was just comical, some of the stuff that those Saudis were doing. I mean, am I not a realist? I mean, is that just part of the game or are they taking you a bit too far? Well, it, it's a part of a game that we, we don't necessarily like. It's cynicism. But it's gamesmanship, essentially. Um, and look, I understand that people don't like it. Uh, it you know, it's <laughs> if you want to draw parallels, it's like sandpaper gate in cricket. Mm. You know, it's like tanking in AFL or, or rugby league. Um, now, whenever there are big internationals, because football is, is not the number one sport in town, people tune in, you know, maybe for the first time in a long time. And that's their takeaway from it. Yeah. Uh, and that's because they don't follow the game in any great depth. Now, I'm not saying that, that those things didn't happen during the week. And are they unsavory and unnecessary? Yes, of course they are. But they are one aspect of the game. Uh, there are aspects of the other football codes that I don't particularly enjoy. Mm. You know, I don't, I, ca I can't fathom that you get a point for missing an Aussie rule. <laughs> Um, I, I, you know, I get, I find the five tackle and kick mm. uh, monotony of rugby league um, difficult to endure. Mm. It, it's, you know, it's horses for courses. It's what you like and it's what you don't like. And I accept that people might not, um, you know, enjoy that part of the game. I don't necessarily either, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not the big talking point to come out of that game. There are plenty of others. Mm. Um, you know, imagine if after the big NRL grand final, all the talk was about, you know, should we should we do away with the uh, with the six tackle rule? Yeah, yeah. You know, people go, what? 
What? Did that, you know, we've had that for years. It's I, take your, no, I, I take your point. No, I take your point. I just, I, I just, I, I seem to think the Saudis were the Saudis are sort of like my my young boys were watching it and they play a bit of soccer and they go, look, that our guys aren't doing that, Dad. You know, and I thought, you know, you're right. But so maybe it is a. But the, mm. you know, Chris, sorry to interrupt, mate. Mm. There's there's a there's a big concept in this country of masculinity um, that is very strong and and is. Promoted largely by the other codes, you know, because we're, we're, we're the toughest code in the world. You know, our players are tough. And, and this, is, this is seen as weakness. Now, you know, th- th- there is an argument to say that what Saudi did uh, in places on Thursday night was actually very smart. It wasn't, you know, it's not great. Mm. But this shows how much getting to a World Cup means because they're prepared to do anything. You remember Diego Maradona, Mm. you know, punching the ball in the back of the net and going off celebrating as though he'd scored uh, the greatest goal in the history of the World Cup uh, against England in 1986. Was that cheating? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Um, You know, were were the the Aussie cricketers cheating when they, uh, you know, put sandpaper on the ball? Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's right, by the way, but it's, you know, th- these are elements of sports that, that creep in because there is a desperation to win. Uh, and you have to put that into context. You don't defend it. You don't condone it. Um, but it's it's not the only takeaway from Thursday night. Goodness uh, me, there yeah, are no, so no, many and other don't, No, don't for one minute think I'm, <laughs> I'm highlighting that. I'm just, I'm just pointing it out. And there's probably a few people like me that sort of float in and out of, of soccer. Um, that might have thought a similar thing when, and you know, I don't think it's about the masculinity thing. I just when guys uh, get touched on the shirt and they and they drop to the deck and roll around like they're in UFC, about to be uh, counted out. You know, yeah. Um, but Look, our, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't dispute that, that that there is you know over overacting at times. But I think also mm. there is a, if I can just sort of labour this point a little bit, there is there is also a part of the game that a lot of people who are not necessarily involved in it and not not necessarily played it to a, a great level, don't really understand that like me. in our game, our game is not a... Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Our game is not a straight line game. Now, when you, when you receive the ball in rugby league, where does your head go? Mm. Your head goes up and you're looking at the player that's in front of you. So you're ready for... Well, nine times out of ten, anyway. You are ready for that physical impact and your body is braced for it. Now, football is a 360-degree game. You can come from behind, you can yep. come from the side. And where is it? where does your head go when you receive the ball? It goes oh. down, doesn't it? Because you've got to focus yeah, on the ball. You've got to keep control yeah. of the ball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that peripheral vision is almost zero. And if somebody comes in from the side or from the back or from an angle that you can't see, and even if it's the slightest tap on your ankle, mm. you're going down. Yeah, right, yeah. And, and people think that that's, you know, I, oh, you know, mm. he's soft because he's, he's gone down to ground. There are physiological elements of football that are not the same with the other codes. And the constant comparisons that people make in Australia about the codes, they're not the same sports. Mm. No, I take your point. I take your point. Utterly different. No, I take your point, and, and it's a point well made, Simon. Yeah, you know, and it is the, the three hundred and sixty element. So you haven't got your eyes on it. So if someone does clip you, however minimum, 
however minimal yeah. that might be, you, you go down. I'm not saying that they make, they don't sometimes make too much of it because they well, no, do. that's my point. But, I look, I'm yeah. not talking about the masculinity thing or thinking you're soft. I think that yeah. they are overacting, and I, I, that, that was all. That, that was my only point of it. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. Let's move yeah. on. Um, Harry Souter, so that's confirmed, is it? That's a real blow. Is it ACL nine months? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a bad injury. And, it, and it, to be fair, it looked it. You know, as soon as he went down, you, you could thought, tell, oh, you? that's not good. Mm. Uh, you can tell by a player's reaction normally. And uh, that, that's a pity for Harry because he'd been in great form, not just for Australia, but for uh, his club side, Stoke City in England as well. There was talk of a move to the Premier League, Aston Villa, Everton, Tottenham even mentioned. Um, but obviously now that's, that's going to have to be put on the back burner at least for, for a while. Uh, it's a real pity. And he did his job very well, actually, on, on Thursday. He made one crucial block from Salman Al-Faraj in the, in the mm. first half. Uh, so he'll be missed, for sure. He will. What, what needs to change uh, f- from the Socceroos' point of view um, into the China game? And, and how crucial is getting all three points? Well, I think just you know creating some more chances, really. I mean, Australia's play on Thursday night, particularly you know, for 30 minutes in the second half, was very, very good. Uh, you know, that they dominated possession, they were keen in the challenge, that uh, they got some good field positions and, and were really all set to go on and win the game. Um, but they just could not create uh, decent enough chances. I mean, I think they had one through Matthew Leckie, uh, another one where the goalkeeper, Al-Yami, made a couple of good saves. But apart from that, it's difficult to remember them putting sustained pressure on the Saudi defence. And, and that's, you know, in part because the Saudis are a good side. Uh, but also, you know, I think Graham Arnold will will be frustrated by that because he's got good attacking players, uh, even without the likes of Moy and Rogic, who, of course, were absent uh, for various reasons on Thursday night. Mm. So I, I think they'll be looking to put that right. Uh, China, with the greatest respect, are, are not the same level as Saudi Arabia. That they're, they're a, an ordinary team, and we swatted them aside quite comfortably uh, the last time uh, Australia played them in the Middle East in September. So. You know, I, I think they will start strong favourites for the game against China. And if they can uh, put that element of their game right, which was really probably the only thing that was missing, mm. um, then they should be OK for the three points. Talking to Simon Hill, the voice of football in this country and uh, doing some good work with Channel 10. The A-League starts uh, next week, mate. So we've got the international break this week. Um, no A-League, bit of F- FFA Cup going on though over the weekend but in terms of next week's the, the beginning of the new competition 10 is the new broadcast you must be really excited about that yeah absolutely we're uh, we're getting very busy over the next seven days which uh, is great and you're right mm. there's a fake cup today i'm calling the uh, the black town uh, city against central coast mariners game in mudgy uh, today okay uh, and there are a couple of other games as well um so yeah, the, the A-League men's season starts next Friday. Melbourne City, the reigning champions against uh, Brisbane Raw. Uh, and then we've got a Sydney Derby on the Saturday, which I'm hugely looking forward to back at Combank Stadium. Uh, and away we go for another uh, seven or eight months. So it, it's going to be fun. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of work to do to, to rebuild the A-League's and they are the plural these days, um, to where we want them to go. Mm. Um, but, you know, we've got a good broadcaster. They're, they're, they're very keen to make this work. Uh, I think you've seen already, that, you know, the, the cross-promotion across programs like The Project and, and one or two other things. Have you been paying attention? And that's the sort of exposure that our game hasn't had before. And it's what we need to, to bring it to the mainstream consciousness in part. So... Mm. 
looking forward to it. And an early prediction, who who wins it this year? Um, I can't really go past Melbourne City to go back-to-back, to be honest. They haven't really lost too many players from last season. Uh, and in fact, they've, they've gained Matthew Leckie, who we're talking about playing for Socceroos during the week. So their front three, Leckie, McLaren and Naboot were all involved uh, for Australia yeah. in, in one uh, way or another on Thursday night. So that, that's a pretty formidable front line. There should be plenty of goals for them. Uh, they're solid defensively. They're well coached by Paddy Kisnorbo. So I think it's going to take a very good team to stop them. Simon, thanks for taking some time out of your day, mate. I know it's a really busy period for you. You better get your skates on then if you're, you're off to Mudgee for that um, FFA Cup this <laughs> afternoon. So the Mariners and Blacktown. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, mate, and thanks again for joining us on Sports Central. Thanks, Chris. All the best, mate. Yes, it is Sports Central. Uh, coming up to 18 minutes to four, so uh, you know what that means. We're uh, about uh, three furlongs from home and, and just turning the corner almost. About to pull out the persuader and, and get to that finish post at four o'clock. Uh, Mad Russian is still with me, and uh, JP Justice of the Peace, he's here as well. Uh, enjoyed your your debut. I put a solid. I thought it was solid shit for the boys. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> ran ran in and tackled hard. Yeah, you, stu- you stuffed up a few times. Yes, but that's all right. <laughs> I'm learning as they go, Chris. Yeah, that's right. Well, we're all learning on the run. Don't we're point it out to the listeners, Chris. I'm not noticed. They may not have. Sorry about that. I just threw you under a bus. <laughs> but okay, okay. That's he who hasn't he hasn't uh, sinned the uh, castle first. Yes, stone. very true. Yeah, mm. I stuff up all the time. Um, now, uh, just on a couple of text messages, I'll get out of the way. Uh, thanks again to everyone that's been involved in the show. I did tell you at the start of the show at midday when we came on air, it's much more interesting and entertaining when you guys. Uh, you listeners are, are part of it, so uh, thank you to you all. Um, Wombat from Shell Harbour says, bugger the Western Australians, play all the games in Sydney and Queensland. They don't deserve a game over there. Their Premier is a flog. Tell us what you really think. Mm. What is that exactly? I've never actually – no, you better not go into that. No? no, no. I couldn't tell Stay you. away from it? Yeah, I would stay away, yeah. It's not good, though, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's uh, yeah. You stay could away go down it. that wrong path. Yeah. Okay, so we won't. Um, now I had an idea about a drone for the fifth mm. test at the Ashes Test in Perth because they're talking about uh, getting rid of the kookaburras. Every kookaburra hit for a six, we're going to bin them and we replace each ball so there's no contact or indirect contact between the the fans and the players. And I had an idea of well, won't we have a drone? Mm. It could be a part of the commentary. The, the TV pick up the ball, delivers it back. You can have like apocalypse now sort of music choppers in the as it comes. You know, you can really get theatric with it. Mark, and he's really showered on my parade here. Whoever Mark, um, he says no, the drone's not a good idea. It will be classified as too dangerous flying into the pack crowd. Really? (laughs) What world are we living in? We have drones with cameras on them during the cricket. So I don't know why. What's that one? No, no, no. They got drones as well. Fox trolled that. Quite a few years ago now. So, so they did have drones in, in stadiums. They mm. don't like them flying during play because they're noisy, but they've definitely tried mm. drones what about when during the, live sport. What about when the police chopper flies across the SCG or something or a jumbo takes off from mascot? What are we going to say? Oh, hang on, boys, just don't take off. We're just about the third over of <laughs> just after tea. No? <laughs> just deal with it. Mm. Yeah? What are you looking at? Oh, the Sydney Sixers, the women playing the Thunder. Uh, what do we got there? Thunder are two for 36 off 6.1. Um, sixes were three for 22 at the same, yeah, at the same stage. You're looking for a score, aren't you? That's right. So what did the sixes get? 
We 96. don't know. Where'd you find that? No, I checked my phone. Exactly. So we've had this conversation before. And I, again, I plead, I'm pleading to with the, uh, the, the directors or the executive producer of the cricket. Can you please put on there on the graphic what the, the first team, the target, yeah. what the first team got? That's all I need. All I need is a target. So as a quick reference guide, because yeah. we haven't got audio, I want the target. No, too hard. Never understand that with all the captions. Well, they have said the Sixers were at this stage, stage. three for 27. That doesn't. Doesn't help. Thank if, you. It doesn't help when you're trying to give updates. It's a like, quick one. What, what are they chasing? Thank you. I Does... like you. Do you want to come back next weekend? I probably will be anyway. Are you doing anything? Nothing at the moment. You are now. <laughs> Good stuff. Mad Russian, you're well, I'm, gone. I'm away next week. Now so. you, you're, no, you're not. You haven't resigned. You're punted. Right? You're gone. J- just as the piece is in. Where Put are you going? You want. Where are you going? Taking South out. Coast, um, Colborough Holding Beach. Holding hands? Colborough Beach. Holding hands? Probably at the winery. Walk oh, through the vines. Be very romantic. Beautiful. Where are you staying? I couldn't tell you. I actually can't remember off the top of my head, but it's near Cobborough Beach. But you're Just staying together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're in the same room? Yes. You're Why not are married? you surprised about this? You're not oh, married? Chris, please. <laughs> I'm an old-fashioned sort of guy. Yeah. Now, just back quickly on that chat with Simon Hill. Mm. Like Simon a lot. Yes. I love the guy. Top guy. Top broadcaster. Good fellow. Worked with him for quite a bit at, at Fox Sports, right? So I know him quite well. Yesterday I did that interview with him, and I was just saying as as I felt, and you are a, a real, mm. a true football soccer fan. I'm not. I enjoy it, but I float in and out of the sport. And my my gripe from Thursday night watching the game with mm. my kids was the number of times the Saudis just hit the turf and rolled around in agony, yeah. faking, fake, 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 fake. What was that in Seinfeld? No, fake, 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 faking. You don't know I've lost you. Not getting help there. Um. And I sort of sensed a little bit of friction, maybe. Not friction, probably the wrong word, but, you well, know. It was animated discussion, wasn't it? Animated discussion. It was good listening, I thought. You understood what, where I was coming yeah. from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Broski I spoke to on Friday night, and he probably said the same sort of thing to me in a roundabout way. Well, you know, those that did see all that diving, you're being a bit maybe naive or you don't know the game well enough. But really, is you don't see that amount of diving in the Premier League, for example, do you? No, no. Oh, okay. But it's a very different situation as well. And the Saudis and a lot of the Middle East, you'll see it when Oman come out here as well. They so it's pronounced Middle East pronounced in the Middle East. It often is, and South yeah. America, as Broski talked about, I think on Friday as well, um, happens quite a lot. And that's because the pitches aren't as good. Yeah, and there's a whole lot of different things that go into that. But you're right. In the Premier League, it doesn't happen as much. And a lot of the time, that's because the teams are actually more evenly matched. So mm. both teams are, are not happy with a, a draw away from home, whereas the Saudis, when they came down here, they would have been they would have signed off at nil all if you'd given so them that So is that what all the, the stoppage... That's Absolutely. what Graham Arnold was fuming about at the end of the match I think, when he was saying... Uh, I think the point that Simon was trying to make there as well is that's not... That shouldn't be the main takeaway from the game, and Arnie will want sure. it. To, Arnie will want it to be the main takeaway from the game because right. it lets him off the hook a little bit in a game that his team should have won. For me, so of course he's going to point it. Similar to when NRL yeah. refs come off, and Ricky Stewart does it all the time. Deflect. You put it on the referees. So Arnie yeah. will put it on right. the diving and the rolling around and that sort of thing. Well, Simon was sort of saying that, wasn't he? He doesn't want that to be the main takeaway. It no. shouldn't be and the main. And it shouldn't be. No, because it shouldn't. Okay, we but what enough. I'm saying, okay, what I'm saying for, for me, who 
who floats in mm. and out is not a rusted on soccer fan. Mm. So I only watch the soccer rules really and occasionally. For me, that was probably, um, other than Matt Ryan's brilliance in goal, mm. for me, that was the main takeaway. Yeah. Was the, 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 the laughable um, yeah. and diving. That's, and that's on, that is on the soccer rules. That is that is not on the Saudis. They don't. They Hang don't, on, but there was the Saudis we're, we're, that were hitting the turf, rolling around, screaming so as if they'd been hit. The way to do that, if you score, there's no reason for them to time waste, right? If we have a one nil lead, them rolling around on the floor doesn't achieve anything. It doesn't slow down oh, the so game because they're chasing they, the game, slowing the game down, and rightly so because we failed to score. Absolutely. Well, I'm not well, saying we tried that, to score, but the Saudis. So, for example, we're trying to grow this game in this country, right? And when you see players diving, rolling around. It's yep. not a good look for the game. True. I That's my ag- point. I couldn't agree more with that. The mm. Saudis don't give a Rats, stuff. Tinkers. What you or mm. any casual football fan in Australia, they're just coming down here for a point. So mm. it's on us and it's mm. on our national team. To, put the ball in the net. To put the ball in the net early can't and stop hard. that sort of thing. We can't mm. expect the Saudis to come down here and play nicely. Because mm. right. we won't do the same when we go there. Mm. Do we have to take a break or not? We're, we're not yes. we, we, we do? We do. Have and to then, we'll, then we'll wrap up. Got the big SCN World Cup cricket party coming your way tonight. 8 p.m. till midnight, Jared Waitley, Damien Fleming in the crew. Then from 10 p.m. till midnight, Anthony Hudson will join the team, plus the cricket commentary team all floating through. That will all continue right through till 1 a.m. The combined team hour, midnight till 1 a.m. Uh, the team's all getting together to pump up the rivalry from here and abroad. Good luck to the Aussies tonight in the World Cup cricket final.